Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 62 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horrors coming at you live. I am your host, Mood616, and of course, I've always got my Lucio Fulci newbie with me, Double Shot J, also known as JP. What's going on, homie? Hey, dude, what's up? I am the <laughs> Lucio Fulci newbie. I have only <laughs> seen Zombie, I believe, in House by the Cemetery when I was super young. Yeah. Which barely even counts because I watching it I barely remembered it at all and I had seen City of Living Dead so I only had seen two Fauci films didn't he do one of the other zombies kind of so I seen that as well uh yeah well you got zombie and then he he started to direct Zombie Three which was like the sequel to you know his Zombie Two and he got sick and during the filming of that one and then Bruno Mattai actually took over but Fauci still has the credit for it so. Yeah. yeah, but but Zombie Three is actually a really really fun flick. You know, it, it, it you can totally see the the Bruno Mattai influence in that film. Like you can tell what Lucio Fulci did, and then Bruno Mattai takes over, and it just kind of turns a little more actiony and stuff. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's an interesting blend of a zombie film. It's fun as hell, great score. But yes, episode sixty two, Lucio Fulci director spotlight. We are doing the Gates of Hell trilogy. So excited. Because, like I said before, a million times, uh, Lucio Fulci is my favorite director. And uh, th- these films are just, you know, so much fun to watch. But, ah, uh, yeah. I so, literally watched them back to back to back last yeah, night. I was a little surprised when you said to me, you're like, yeah, I got to watch all three films. I'm like, holy crap, are you serious, dude? <laughs> like, you're going you're gonna to marathon this trilogy right now? It was like... And yeah. when you talked to me, it was like 8.30 your time at night. I was like, holy crap, dude. Yeah, I got done at 2 a.m. I took a couple little breaks in between and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. 2.15 a.m., I think. And, um, you know, normally I am a little bit more prepared, but I just had a rough week this week. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's been a rough one. As you guys can probably tell, I sound like shit because I'm fucking sick. So that's what's been going on in my life. I got sick on like Tuesday. I woke up and I was just dreadfully out of it. And I was like, oh, shit. And I could barely even talk on Tuesday. And I was like, fuck. So I I messaged you and I was like, shit, dude, I'm really, really sick. Just a heads up. Or was that Wednesday or whatever? And uh, no, I think I don't know. But, you know, I was like having problems talking. I was like, oh, shit, I kind of need my voice to do the show. (laughs) Yeah, I was was freaking out a little bit. And then I just started, you know, just, you know, kind of trying to get better. I wasn't really I don't really take a lot of medicine when I'm sick because it just it fucks me up like so bad, you know. Well, you didn't do the secret thing. What's that? Whenever you start getting sick, you just don't. (laughs) I do it all the time. You just you just be like not doing it this time and you skip Mm -hmm. it. And (laughs) that's a good idea. Actually, I should try that. And if you really just (laughs) are just like, nope, not doing it. As soon as you feel that you start with that cough or that sneeze and you're just like, nope, not happening. Um, I found success in that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think I think. I think that uh, there's not really much science behind that, but I would uh, probably say no. <laughs> I guess that uh, it's one of those things where like your mind is very powerful, and at least you could maybe trick yourself into not feeling as shitty. And mm-hmm. also, Nyquil heavy doses. <laughs> yeah, you know it's kind of funny because I was gonna take Nyquil last night. Um, you know, so I woke up feeling a little better and stuff. And I thought I had some. Go into the I go into the uh, the closet where I keep all this stuff, and no. It was all gone, and all I had was like children's stuff. <laughs> I'm like, of 
course. Of course. I totally thought I had some. I'm like, okay, fuck it. And then I was watching a film last night. I was just too lazy to go and take some. So I just fell yeah. asleep. But I woke up actually feeling not too bad. I got up in the morning and, you know, it was better. My throat wasn't sore. So that was a start. As you can tell, I'm really congested. But at least my throat's not sore and I can actually talk. So, I mean, you know, that's a start anyways. But uh I don't know. I spent like all day Wednesday because Wednesday was obviously Remembrance Day. So it was a stat holiday. And I just Is that spent, like, like Veterans Day. Yeah. And I basically just spent the whole day watching films. I was just catching up on like a whole shitload of, you know, 2015 films I hadn't seen yet. So I was just like doing a marathon of those. And yeah, it was actually kind of nice. But yeah, I really couldn't move. I was fucking laid up pretty good, man. Yeah, that's Ugh. one of those things where you just like, you know, we, we have the show and you don't want to cancel, but if you literally can't talk, it's like, what the hell am I going to do? You start well, like, you just start planning like, okay, I got to get this better by this day, this better yeah. by this day. Like hopefully. Well, you even asked me too. You're like, well, do you want to cancel? I'm like, fuck no, man. It's Lucio Fulci, man. He's my favorite director. I got to <laughs> do this show, man. Plus, you know, if you cancel out on, you know, a show in Italian month, that's not good. Yeah, it kind of fucks up the whole thing. Like the and we were a little nervous about even planning this going in because yeah. November typically is a busy month and we were like, you know, if we cancel one show, it really kind of screws up the whole like concept behind the month. And uh, like Jeremy obviously couldn't make it this one or whatever. I was but... gonna say, speaking of screwing up the fucking you know the flow <laughs> of things, Jeremy. Yeah, he's uh, he's off being a big shot again. Um, I, I what is what is he? I think he's on set today. I, yeah, I think that's what I he's doing. I don't even know what he's doing, but he I think he's on. He couldn't make it. Yeah, he's on set of some film or whatever. He's got to do a bunch of you know bitch work or something like that or whatever he does. I don't. He didn't really get too specific about it. He just said he couldn't do it. So, but. Um, but yeah, so it's just uh, just just the two of us. It's just the two of us. Just I think I do it. We'll I think I do it every time. I think I do it every time. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This is probably what the fourth time, third or fourth time. It's just been the two of us or something like that. Oh, dude, it's know. it's been a lot. I mean, I I, I definitely know. Well, sh- actually, I, there's a difference between just the two of us and us two plus like Kyle because I think we did that once or twice. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. but. You know, I think the first episode was episode 21, where it was the Mr. Jones show, which I still think is one of our more underrated shows. Mm-hmm. You guys want to go back and check that out? Yeah, and that's actually kind of funny because you bring that up because, you know, that specifically got brought up by somebody. I think it was Zach. I, I don't know. Um, because he was saying that, you know, he listened to the Argento show last week and he's like, yeah, I think that's your, he's like, that's your best show you've ever done. And it just kind of got me thinking. Cause you know, you even said to yourself, you're like, I don't really have a favorite show. And I never really thought about it before, yeah. you know, it's picking favorites. Cause I mean, I'm more of a pessimistic person. I, I just kind of, I always think of the bad things. I always remember like the bad shows. <laughs> yeah, know? I do too, man. Like I always think of like night of the demons. I think was, you know, not a very good show for us. And it, it's, uh, that is like top, that is bottom like 3% show. Right yeah. There. And I, I can't remember specifically what show it was in the first season, but there was one that was, I think it was, you know, it was kind of plagued with like, um, you know, technical issues and a few other things like that. And I, I specifically remember like a lot of comments saying, man, it was such a good show. It was such a good show. And thinking to myself going, no, nah, man, that show sucked. I think yeah. people are just fucking being nice or something, man. I'm like, I think that show was actually pretty shitty, but you know, it's it the just one could, where it we just... had that, uh, Sean S Cunningham rant. Like that was, that oh. was one of the worst shows that I think we did. Yeah, it could have been that one. But yeah, people were like, yeah, it was such a good show. And I was like, oh, I don't know. But then again, we see it differently because we come down on ourselves a little harder. I yeah. mean, who knows? The Night of the Demon show might not be as bad as we think it is, you know, from 
other people's perspective, just listening to it, not knowing, you know, exactly what we're going through at the time and stuff. But yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. I don't really know. And but as you know, for picking a specific show as a favorite, I, I don't even have a clue. The first one that always comes to my mind is the Mr. Jones show. Like I mentioned before, that show, I fig I thought just flowed so well. I don't know what, and oddly enough, Jeremy wasn't on that one. So maybe this one will be good too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, when I look back and I'm like, what were my favorite shows? Um, I think that most of the stuff in season one, I'm really hard on. Uh, we had bad mics back then and we yeah. didn't really edit at all, at all. Mm. We didn't start e- editing until like way later. And we still don't edit that much. But uh, if we messed up, we just kept going back then. Uh, but I think Mr. Jones um, was probably my favorite show in, in season one. And in season two, I really did like the battery show that we did. Uh, I mm-hmm. thought that that was a great analytical discussion on the battery. And uh, then, you know, skipping forward a little bit, I for some reason, I, I always like hate remembering the Silent Night, Deadly Night show because it watching the films was so hard but i don't think that was too bad of a show <laughs> no i think that i i think some of those franchise shows are pretty funny they're pretty funny yeah. um i you know like you know like certain people say they don't like the franchise but i think you know they are more of the popular ones and they're fun to do they're just hard to do for us because there's so much goddamn yeah. prep involved in those so you know they're a little more exhausting so i try not to remember them either you know yeah. i think one of the funniest shows that we did though was um the leprechaun show I think oh, that's yeah. we we're rolling the whole time, like just talking about those films was just. That's I, still I remember one of our most so popular hard. shows. Yeah, I yeah. remember just laughing hard in that episode and just being like, "These these movies are just so ridiculous." But I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I also you know I, when I look back, I think Masters of Horror is one of my favorites as well. That was episode forty-eight. That was a good one. Sleep Tight was good. We had a good roll through there. The Centerfold Girls, one of our more underrated shows, which I thought was decent. Of course, episode 50 is probably my favorite show just because the amount of prep work we did on that and the amount of research we did and discussion and ranking discussions and actually how smooth it turned out, which is totally against what we do at all. We never do stuff smoothly and short. (laughs) It's always way too long. So uh, I felt that that episode was pretty long, though, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was pretty long, but I think we kind of nailed what we wanted to do in terms yeah. of how long we wanted to talk about each one. And then, of course, I actually really like our top 10 in 1968 show as well, which was yeah. episode 51. So both of those shows back to back I thought were mm-hmm. really good. And, of course, I did like our Tales from Halloween show that we just did, and I, I really liked our Tales from the Crypt show. So I think that you know, other than Night of the Demons, we've kind of been on a roll. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess there's nothing wrong with having a, you know, an off show or, an, you know, off days or whatever. But, you know, it is what it is, man. You know, it's not the first season anymore. So let's just look at it like that. Technically, it's the third season. All <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But looking yeah. back, there 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 are a lot of decent what I would consider de- like, you know, top 10 percenters out there. You know, the, the, the best, the better shows. So I'm, I'm happy overall with our library. I think there's a lot of great content, both entertaining-wise and analytical uh, discussions-wise on some of those older episodes. And I, we still get comments and, and people drop in, uh, you know, different opinions on stuff that we did, you know, years ago at this point. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is episode 62. And I, I was even saying just the other day, I was like, wow. It's episode 62. 
<laughs> like, holy crap, man. I can't even believe <laughs> that we've managed to do that much. And, you know, it was kind of funny. I was thinking about it, too, and I was looking at it going, you know, 62 episodes doesn't sound like a whole lot in, you know, the bigger scheme of things. But, you know, just the amount of hours that are, you know, in these 62 episodes, like, just combined in time, like, yeah. it's like it's like weeks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just terrible. But <laughs> we have such long shows. It's so ridiculous. And this is why, because we just keep going back and forth. But, you know, it is what it is. I was just kind of laughing when I'm like, man, you know. You know what I'm dreading, though? Mm. Racking my brain over what to do for episode 100. Oh my god, that would be terrible. I don't. I like you. You remember how long it t- took us to come up with episode fifty, and it like happened like two weeks before we started preparing. It was just awful. <laughs> I know episode hundred. Just it, I mean, we thought that episode fifty sounded really far away at one time. Remember we started talking about like episode thirty, and we're like, hey, what are we gonna do? And then um, it was on a couple in, shows. Like, no time. It's because yeah, those it winter like months, dude. Those winter months, the episode just rack up. Yeah, man, we're like, I'll worry about it here. And all of a sudden, it's episode 46. And we're like, holy shit, we should probably get something going here. Um, I never really thought about episode 100. But, man, it'd be, it'd be fun to do, like, top 100 slasher films, have a whole huge slasher show. That'd be kind of cool. I don't know why I just thought of that. I mean, that's probably not a good idea. But Before we continue know. the long moods, though, with the uh, you know intro that we're doing, I do want to uh, mention something. So... As always, every year we do our top 10 of 2000, whatever the year is. This year would be 2015. And this year I thought we would do something cool as well. And basically starting in December, I want everybody who wants to participate to private message me a list of their top 10. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a ranking and we're going to all during the top 10 show, we will also be discussing the 22 shots top 10. So you guys will have a direct impact in the top 10 show. So it won't just be me moods and Jeremy's top 10. It'll be you guys' top 10 as well. Kind of a, uh, you know, bona fide top 10 from all of us create you know, in the group. I think that's a great idea. And we'll, we'll really see like what mm. the big films were of the year. So uh, guys, start watching films, start preparing your top 10 list. Anybody can participate. Even if you only seen, you know, 15 films this year, whatever, uh, just give us your 10 favorites, mm. rank them, send them to me. You can start at any time. You can start now if you want, you can, but you know, hopefully by, I'm hoping to have most people's by the uh, end of Christmas uh, or the, you know, the week of Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I got a feeling that, you know, all these lists are going to be so different this year. I think this is going to be, you know, a really interesting top 10 year because, you know, I mean, I, even you, you, you haven't seen a lot of the films I've seen. Yeah. Right. Jeremy's seen some that I haven't seen or neither of us and, you know, things like that. So I think this year is going to be really different. Same with like the 22 shots list. Um, it, this is going to be interesting. You know, in past years, we've had a couple of the same in our top 10s and stuff, which might be the same this year. But I think they're going to be very, very different, which is very cool. So, and, and the way that I'm actually going to do this, I don't want to say the way that I'm going to do it, because if I told you how I was going to calculate it, then you could actually find a way to break the system. But I feel like the way that I'm going to put this together and the way that I'm going to take everybody's picks will 
you know, have like an undisputed top 10 almost in a way. Like I feel like the 10 best films, the most popular films will make that list, will be in order. So as long as I get enough people to participate, I don't see a problem. with. I, I think that this is going to be a really interesting list. And, it, you know, it's obviously going to be different than what list we come up with modes. But uh, I mm-hmm. think that it will really speak volumes to the year as a whole. Like these were the films that stood out um, in horror, not in our opinion, but in horror. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good idea. Really good. And the second thing I wanted to just mention, figured I'd plug on here. Uh, I have started a new podcast with the homie Kyle Thomas uh, that will be up by the time you hear this. I, I really want you guys to check it out. It's a very simple show. Me and Kyle are journeying through the X-Files uh, TV series and every show we will cover one episode. It has an interesting perspective because Kyle is the super fan. I am the novice to the X-Files and it adds an interesting dynamic and I want everybody to watch an episode during the week and then listen to the podcast afterwards and then we could all have this big discussion on a pretty cool tv show that has been resurrected revived and will be brought back to uh actual you know like mainstream tv which i think is that's happening a lot and i'm all for it so uh check out the site guys um by the time you hear this it should be up awesome that's really cool good stuff all right you done with all your plugs there bud (laughs) Yes, yes, I am. Do you have any? Do you, would you like to? Have you done any videos lately, Moods? Have I done any videos? Yeah, I've done. I've done some reviews. I've done some videos. You know, they, we were just talking about how you know the what? What did you call it? Post traumatic, post traumatic, uh, October syndrome or something? It was like post uh, October fatigue. Fatigue, yeah, post October fatigue. That's the word. Um, no, it's just you know videos that are posted and you know the views are just so so down on them. But you know it makes sense. You know, I, I mean people were obviously getting burnt out towards the end of October. You know, along with myself too. Thirty one days of horrors. It's really tough. I still to do, haven't actually. even finished mine. Yeah, I mean, you know, I got it done and stuff. And then I had a bunch of videos I had to do after, you know, certain reviews and stuff like that. And they're just down. And you know, it's not a big deal or anything. But you know, I got nothing to plug. <laughs> you know what it all comes down to i got nothing to plug so if you want to check out those videos go to my channel whatever and what is is. your channel for those who don't know for those who don't know wow there's people that don't know no i'm just joking (laughs) it is (laughs) mood 616 m-o-o-d-z 616 yes on youtube so check out those videos and all that awesome content that's on there and yes that is gonna do it probably for this intro JP, we got some news? We have a little bit of news. The first thing I think that it's only fitting that we start off with, it feels like we've been doing this a lot lately. We've lost another one. Uh, Gunnar Hansen, the actor who played Leatherface in the 1974 Toby Hooper classic, my favorite horror film of all time, Zach's favorite horror film of all time, and many, many other horror fans' favorite horror film of all time, has passed away. And uh, it was, was you know... (laughs) I can't say it was unexpected because it's it's I'm kind of expecting we might even have a few more by the time this year's over. It just seems like that time everybody's get all these legends, all these horror actors are getting much older and uh it, it keeps happening, man. But what, what do you think? Yeah, man, it, it you know, everybody has to die. We know this, but man, it, it it's really interesting that this year has been so full of notable names. You know, every year always has its fallen soldiers, but it just seems lately it's just one after the other, 
like it's happening weekly just of notable people so we got our hansen passing away that's you know that's sad i didn't even really get any you know information on it either was he sick or like i didn't even i really know heard the story. that he had maybe pancreatic cancer but this could be something that i'm mixing up with another thing that i heard so don't yeah. quote me on that but mm-hmm. um you know if that's the case that's you know very terrible obviously but yeah, of course, rest in peace to Gunnar Hansen. That's a, that's a huge loss, and uh, you know it's just sad because you know he's such a, you know, he, obviously the character that he played is one of the most notable horror figures and characters of all time in horror films. So yeah, he honestly didn't go on to do much else after that. He did a few films. I think his role in Mosquito is probably his best role in his career that I've seen. Um, he plays <laughs> yeah. a great character in Mosquito, Earl the bank robber. Uh, has a great callback to uh, Texas Chainsaw and, and Synapse With just the released, chainsaw scene. <laughs> uh, Synapse just released Mosquito. So if you guys want to celebrate Gunnar Hansen, uh, definitely check out Mosquito. Pick up that release. It's um, a film that I, I love, and uh, he's great in that film. Uh, it's sad, man. I mean, we mentioned this in the Wes Craven show. But it just seems like they're starting to go, man. And we all knew that it was inevitable, but I don't think we really was ready for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's kind of like the way life and death is. You know, you just kind of. I think sometimes we kind of take it for granted, and then when someone passes away, it's shocking. You're just like, oh, well, that's for real. You know, it it, it kind of hits you like that. Like I just, you know, you just don't think of it. You know that it's going to happen, but you know, it is what it is, man. You know, he had he had a great life, great career. So, yeah, from Iceland. Rest in peace. Yeah, from Iceland. I know. Iceland. It is an odd place, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I don't even want to say his last name. It's like Rick (laughs) Jack. You know what's something that we didn't mention off the top of the show? What's up? It's Friday the thirteenth. Oh shit! It is Friday the thirteenth. How did we not? I just realized that I was like looking at my shirt, going, "Oh yeah, I'm wearing a Friday the thirteenth shirt." In you know, of course, because it's Friday the (laughs) thirteenth. Yeah. So happy Friday, Friday the thirteenth to everybody happy Friday out there. Th- of course, we you know on a on an upscale note, you know after yeah. the rest in peace to Gunnar Hansen. Happy Friday the thirteenth to everybody. Yeah. And Friday you know 13th. Friday the thirteenth is uh, one of those holidays that only horror fans yeah. celebrate. Like everybody <laughs> else is like avoiding <laughs> black cats and crossing oh, yeah, the street man. and stuff, while horror fans are like, "Fuck yeah, it's Friday the thirteenth. Let's do a like- Jason marathon." Party at my house. And the cool thing about Friday the 13th is it's always on a Friday. (laughs) Exactly. It's always on a Friday. Um, Yeah, like so many superstitious people out there that just kind of fucking, they bundle up and just stick in their houses. They're like, got to get through this day. Got to get through this day. You know, it's like, and we embrace the shit out of it. Yeah. What a bunch of fucking pansies, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Embrace Friday the 13th, man. Wear your shit, man. You know, fucking watch Friday the Thirteenth films, which I probably won't even get a chance to. I know. To do I was today, thinking man. about like, that too. I got, I'm like actually really, really busy the rest of the day after the show, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna get one in. If you were maybe, to get one in, which one would it be? Fuck, without a question, Jason X. Yeah, right. Fuck, fuck you, Zach. <laughs> um, no, seriously. You know, I usually always watch Friday Four, but if I were to get one in this year, it'd be Friday Six. Friday six is my second favorite. Yeah. So, uh, see, I always like to do, go with the ones that I don't watch that often. Mm-hmm. So, like for maybe for this year, I would do Friday uh, seven. You know it, it. Yeah, Friday seven. Friday seven always pisses me off though. 
because I just, you know, just knowing how much better that film could have been if they hadn't lost the fucking or cut the gore out and yeah. you know, lost all the footage for it. Or apparently, you know how it goes. But, you know, it's just knowing that going this film could have been a lot gorier and a little more fun. You know, I actually like part seven, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like Friday the 13th is one of those weird franchises is that when I start watching Friday films, I can't stop watching Friday films. Yeah, you know, I'll just I'll just watch. It's a, say if I pop in part two, which I usually do. If I'm watching, if I'm going to randomly watch, you know, Friday films, I'll start with part two. I usually watch two, three, and four as like a triple feature. That's usually what I do. See, I can't do that. Like, if I'm gonna like if I'm gonna do a triple feature of Friday films, it's five, six, or four, five, six, because it's a Tommy Jarvis. <laughs> well, arc. see, that makes more sense because you're a huge fan of part five. Part five has grown grown on me over the years. Like, I do respect the film, and you know, it's kind of fun. I, I still think the ending is ridiculous you know oh yeah the ending is pure stupidity but it's it's so stupid but it's still a fun film it's got a really high body count and you know i think if you take the kills best hits ever in the kills the nudity all the things you love about friday the 13th and you directly compare it to other films it's one of the best in the franchise because it has the the best of all the stuff we love Mm -hmm. so that's why i like part five i just try to ignore the ending part five is one of my favorites yeah What's her fucking name again? Debbie uh, Sue Voorhees. Debbie Sue Voorhees. I always ask you because I can never remember it. But yeah, those titties are super nice. But yeah, that makes sense. You know, like, you know, because you, you've you been a big fan of part five your whole life. So four, five, six, that makes a lot of sense. So two, three, four for me. Um, you know, like I said, part five grew on me over the years. But man, that, that film used to piss me off. Every time I get to the ending, I'm like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I didn't even get the ending. I thought Jason had on a human mask, like a human face mask. Like I thought that's what the ending was. I was like. <laughs> I was like, why is Jason like trying to trick people to think that he's like his skin's like not deformed? <laughs> Dude, that is fucking weird. Do you think anybody out there watches like eight, nine, and ten as their trilogy feature? Probably Zach. <laughs> Probably Zach, yeah. <laughs> so what Friday films are you gonna watch this Friday the thirteenth? Well, no question. Without a doubt, man, it's gonna be eight, nine, and ten. <laughs> yeah. Uh <laughs> okay, that's just fucking weird, man. I, I think my top three are obviously part four is my favorite. That's definitely the best film in terms of filmmaking in the series, I think. And then yeah. part two is probably the second best. And then my third favorite is either five or six. They swap all the time. Yeah, I love part six, man. Part yeah. six is so part much six fun. is fun. Yeah. Oh man, you got me wanting to watch Friday the Thirteenth. Want to cancel the show? Yeah, yeah. Let's just <laughs> let's just fucking hang her up right now and watch All right, it Friday. For the rest of the show, we are going to be doing a Friday the Thirteenth Part Five commentary. <laughs> <laughs> part Five commentary. Oh yes, look at those titties. Yeah. So uh, let's continue along with the news in all seriousness. Though we have Empire of the Dead. This was, I believe, a Marvel comic. It was uh, partly created by George A. Romero, the zombie master himself, the Romero. He is actually going to be part of this, I believe. AMC has picked this up. This this is going to be another comic book to TV adaptation. And the series will be written by Romero and longtime Mm. partner Peter Grunwall and executive produced by Romero and Grunwall and... Some other people. What? This is crazy. Yeah, what the fuck? I'm kind of yeah. in shock that, yeah. that somebody's given Romero money to do something. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. A big right? network like AMC. I don't. F- I feel like this isn't going to end well. 
Like I yeah. really do. I feel like by the end, well, that's by the not time very this optimistic. Airs, I feel like by the time this airs, like Romero has been let go, and some young dude is gonna like I don't know, man. You know? Yeah, um, I guess we'll have to wait and see on this one. Like that is interesting though. AMC. They might as well change their name to the uh, the official zombie network. Yeah, really, right? I mean, they I mean, are going full blown zombie. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I'm yeah, I, guess, I mean, I, I'm I guess, not really sure what it's about, but I know there's supposed to be vampires thrown into the mix. See, that's the thing with this, you know, with this whole idea here. You know, AMC is just pumping out, uh, you know, zombie stuff like crazy. I hope that this one does well. You know, because I want to see Romero succeed and stuff. But, you know, this one is riding on the coattails of, you know, let's face it, The Walking Dead, right? You know, do you think people are getting burnt out on these because they already have a spinoff for The Walking Dead? And then this one's going to come in there, too. It's going to kind of chime in a little bit. And people are, do you think they're going to, you think it's going to be welcomed with open arms? Well, it's tough to say, man. If they make another Walking Dead clone, then yes. Because that is what the mainstream likes. But there's if no it's, way it's going to be – not if Romero's involved. He's not going to – I don't think Romero's going to conform to something like that. It'll be a lot different, I, I believe. That's I just know, my man. take. I don't know. I, I don't. But then see. again, you know, if they're showing well, him the money, if they're fucking, you know, Cubic Gooding Jr. in him, um, <laughs> I don't know why the fuck is – you know, if they're going to show him the money, maybe he will. Maybe he'll just conform because, I mean, he's like, holy fuck. I don't think you have money. a choice to not conform when you're dealing Unless with – Unless it's part of the deal. Like, and like, they give him some money and they're like, hey, Romero, we trust you. You're gonna write something cool, original, and different from our. You're you know, talking our, about our safety shows. Yeah, I know. Well, I know they're gonna give them like probably twelve or thirteen dollars. So you know, it's gonna be it. But uh, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Like, but it's already different. If there's vampires thrown in the mix here, yeah. that's a start. You know. No, you know, I'm I'm down. I'm totally down because it is Romero, and I, I, for yeah. the rest of my life and Romero's life, I will be interested in what he does. It's just the way that it goes. I don't mm-hmm. care how many bad movies he's made. I don't care how much people say he fell off. <laughs> if Romero's making something, I'm interested. The dude is a fucking it. legend, man. He made fuck. He created zombies. <laughs> Come you on. Know, I just never. I never associated George A. Romero's name with television before. It doesn't. It just does not seem. Yeah, he's done a few TV things, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, like, probably. Not movies, but I mean, like he done TV shows. I think, right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, because he did. Did uh, he do an amazing stories? No, I think he did. Uh, Tales from the Dark Side. I believe that he did the pilot episode for that. Am I wrong? Uh, I think, I I think he might. I think he might have did the pilot episode for Tales of the Dark Side. Actually, actually, I think he it's... hasn't done like any TV at all. I am looking into. I could that. be wrong on that too, but I remember him. I remember his credentials being on some TV show, but I mean, the fact of the matter is, but this is a bigger project. Like his name is attached to the, he whole wrote project. a lot of tales from the dark side. He didn't direct any, I don't think. Okay. So he, yeah. So he wrote the pilot episode. Okay. That's what it was. But yeah, so this is different though. That if he's, his name is attached to the whole series. He's, you know, he's the front runner in this. I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. It's pretty interesting. You know, it, it just seems like an interesting career move, you know, this point in his life. Listen, but, I, but but then again, it makes sense because, you know, TV is the hot commodity right now. I mean, everything is being made into TV, man. We got like Hannibal. Well, we had Hannibal. We got the Scream show, um, you know, Bates Motel, all these zombie shows. I mean, th- why not? Romero, why not just go to where the money is and do it? I mean, you're, you know, you're way past your prime. You might as well try something new. And uh, that's cool, man. You know? Yeah, I'm totally down. I mean, I have no problem with it. What what is the key thing that you need in a zombie movie? Boats. Um, good looking zombies. No. Well, you know what I mean. Like, you know, effective looking zombies. Yes. 
I would argue that you don't even need zombies at all. Well, you need good true. characters. Mm-hmm. That to me, that is what makes zombie films. Yeah, I mean, I mean that is true though. I mean, it's like you know, The Walking Dead. You know, the show is more about character driven. Yeah, it's it's more about the survival of the characters that we follow. You know, we the are point the, of the show we, is because we are just as dangerous as the zombies. That's always been the concept. Well, yeah. It's it's a survival. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, you know, if these characters are people that you don't care about, then when they die in the show, you're just like, who cares? They died. And, and but if you I, care about the characters, it makes it so much more emotional and awesome to watch. Like this is why people love The Walking Dead. They get, you know, emotionally attached to these characters. The show is about the family and survival. I mean, you know, I mean, they're not per se, you know, legit family. Some of them are. But you know what I mean? They're surviving together. They're one family. And you follow these characters and. Yeah, the show isn't really about zombies. It's about their survival. So, yeah, you're right. Character Characters I've need to be good. I've always said, Moods, that I don't think you need good characters. Well, let me take that back. I don't think you need <laughs> likable characters to make a good horror movie. However, that is not the case in a zombie film because I haven't seen it done. I haven't seen a great zombie movie without likable characters, characters yeah. that you care for. You are right, though. Like, you know, in certain types of horror films, likable characters aren't needed as much as likable characters. But in certain films, they are. Like, I always find in slasher films, man, if you hate every character, it doesn't – it's not as effective when they die. You know, if, if you can somehow manage to introduce characters into a slasher film and immediately sell that character to the viewer and have them, you know, like and fall in love with that that guy or girl I, that sounded weird. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you if you're interested in that character and you care if they live or die, you know, it's hard to do in, in slasher films. And nowadays it's really hard. I mean, people just make slasher films. They don't care about the character development, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I find in slasher film, if you care about the characters, then it's just so much more effective to me. Right. And same with zombie films. But in other characters, like other films, you know, not so much. Yeah. You know, I'm not see, saying I, all type of subgenres like that, but I find slasher films, man, if I hate all the characters in the slasher film, I'm just like I'm okay fuck? with hating all the characters. What I'm Trust. not okay with is not caring. You know? Like you have to make me have some sort of emotion towards the characters, whether it's like or hate, I don't care. Either one. Just yeah, just I mean that that's a good point too. Yeah. Just make me exactly. feel something. You take a film like Frozen, you have it's about the context of what the story is too because you take a film like yeah. frozen you gotta fucking like somebody if you if they made frozen with completely bad characters that you didn't care for the whole movie fails right well yeah i mean if you have three guys sitting on a on a fucking chair and they're just the most unlikable people saying bad shit to each other telling shit stories and i mean really you'd be just like okay you need to fall off the fucking chair <laughs> right now break your leg and have a pack of wolves fucking attack you Correct. Right now, and then you're like, "Okay, let's move on, roll the fucking credits," you know. But yeah, that's a perfect example of a film where you pretty much, you know, you're investing your time into these three people. They have to be interesting. <laughs> you know, that's what these contain horror films, man. You know, like they either work or they don't, and they're all based on the characters and dialogue and stuff. Like you need to, you need to invest the time in these characters, and that's why these movies sometimes are complete misses. I find. You know, you got to have those interesting characters, but you know how it goes, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm, I totally feel you. So next up, we have a little bit of news on Scream. So Scream, the TV series is getting new showrunners. Which I just brought up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, 
Which oh, is- and I actually, I actually, so the other day, I actually watched the first 10 minutes of the screen pilot. Really? Just by chance. Why? I just wanted to, I, I don't, well, How? I was up, I was going to watch. Do you I was own up, it? On Netflix. Oh, it's on Netflix. Yeah. Anyways, I was on Netflix and I was looking for something to watch. And I was like, fuck, I don't want to watch anything. And so I came across Scream and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to watch the pilot episode. And, you know, maybe in my downtime or whatever, I'll just kind of pick away at the episodes because the whole season's on there. And I'm like, okay. So I watched like the first, like the opening scene, which is their version of, you know, the Scream film kind of thing. Um, it was okay. <laughs> and that's all I can comment on that. But so the you point only is, watched the first 10 minutes right basically until like they show the credits of scream okay know? so i seen i seen the whole pool scene or the i thought that was scene. i honestly thought it was kind of poor like that that opening scene i thought if you're gonna do an opening scene you better come with some fucking fire because the scream opening scene in the film oh, yeah. is one of the best scenes of all time. no 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 that's what i meant like i was i was being very generous when i said yeah. it was okay but I mean, whew, I mean, it wasn't. That chick had a really nice ass. That chick had a really nice ass. Okay, so I, I, I do <laughs> encourage you to continue along with the series, as will I eventually. I, I think yeah. I made it four episodes in, and by the fourth episode, I was like, okay, this is getting all right. Like I'm digging this now. Mm-hmm. It is. It, it reminds you, you of like a Degrassi <laughs> mixed with a slasher. It's mm-hmm. a fucking teen soap opera, but at the same time. That, I mean, it's you gotta expect that going into it. I mean, it's a, it's a TV show for teenagers. Like that's what it is. So you know, the one thing, the, it did make me laugh, and I I was kind of like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, okay, in the first ten minutes, it, it, it already kind of pissed me off. Like, you know, she's walking around the house, and she's like, you know, outside speakers on, you know, into her iPhone, and then they turn on and stuff. So you know, you can control everything in your house by your phone. Yeah. Um. You know, that's a real thing. Like, that's what we do. But of course, when she gets into trouble and she's like nine one one, and it's like phoning Pottery Barn. I'm like, what the? Yeah, fuck? that was supposed to I'm be like, a little joke nine... about technology because how I know how it how like... it is. Even though we rely on it so much, it, we shouldn't rely exactly. on it so much. Oh, I get the joke, but I'm just like, but nine one one is so specific. <laughs> I, know, like, I know. How could you fuck that up, right? <laughs> Total comedic like, moment. I yeah. I thought there was a lot of cheesy stuff in that pilot episode as well, but it does get a little better. I don't know if it continues to stay better, but I honestly feel like yeah, I man, feel like it lot, has some potential. There was a lot of buzz about the show, and I remember like the first like people were doing episode talks like you know through the first three or four episodes, and then I didn't hear anything else. Like at all. So oh, yeah. I don't even well, know like, honestly, what the consensus I, is. I is it popular? Seen... Did it work out well? Was it the was popular. Good? It did do well. Um, But I think that a lot of people actually liked it. And I was actually in the minority. Like a lot of people were buzzing after the pilot episode. I was like, no, not not into it. I honestly, I I'm was really optimistic. I am very fair. I honestly didn't see what people saw in that pilot episode. I was like, that was not very good. That is not that is not what you do in a scream yeah. show. Um, then I think it, it, like I said, it did win me over a little bit. I liked it. I wouldn't say that I was like, uh, I, I wouldn't say it was Bates Motel or any other TV show that I've seen uh, based on a, uh, a movie that a popular older series <laughs> that is now a TV show. Yeah. But it, I mean, I wasn't hating it. So I mean, I would say I liked it. Definitely yeah. not my favorite, but I liked it by the fourth episode. 
and was interested to see where it was going. I thought there was quite an emotional episode in there, and I was like, okay, this is this is finally starting to win me over. I'm starting to dig some of the characters. I'm starting to feel like they're my main thing was I just hated that there was no continuity with the original series. Like I f- felt like that was a huge misstep because not because there needed to be, but because the backstory that they give in the show could have easily been replaced with the backstory of the original films, which I mm-hmm. think is just fucking stupid because it's like, if yeah. you're going to give some big backstory, if there's going to be a backstory involved in your plot. Make it the fucking backstory that happened already. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, that's enough of Scream reviews for now. (laughs) (laughs) So the news here is that the showrunners have actually exited. Uh, One of them staying on as a consultant, the other one completely gone. So it will be potentially hit, uh, took in a new direction. Um, That's, I always find it weird when that happens, especially Mm -hmm. after a success story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, hmm. someone's uh, maybe – yeah, that is weird. I, I, I don't know what – like I don't know why people want to change success sometimes. Okay, let's try this. It might work. But why not just stick what's working? Mm-hmm. Adam Green had a pitch for the Scream series when it it's was weird. being piloted. Really? Which, uh, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, he obviously hmm. didn't get it. But he, yeah, he, actually, <laughs> he actually said, I believe, that he thinks it was like his best pitch that he's done or like one of his best pitches like he came in with like action figures and it's like this character is this character and uh you know he had different sized action figures for like okay so they move up and they become a bigger character and then next season you'll see a reveal of this character and then i guess when he they were dead he like took a red cloth and like dropped it over the <laughs> the action figure. like it was all nice. legit and stuff I, I heard that on a podcast a long time ago he was talking about that so awesome uh, so yeah, season two of Scream is on its way with different showrunners. Uh, Walking Dead actually did that, I believe, in the second season as well. Mm-hmm. And they that did. continued on to be very popular still. So <laughs> I don't know. Uh, next up, this is something that I posted in the page. I didn't actually read it. So I'm kind of just glancing through it now. Lionsgate apparently is going to start putting some of their library in the uh, 4K treatment. So uh, mm. I, I forget what's the company that's doing it right now. They released like Dracula and uh, Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and a couple other films in that 4K treatment. We had a big conversation on it a few episodes yeah. back. Yeah. But. So that they're going to do that. But one of the things that they also mentioned is that they're supposed to launch a standalone horror SVOD, which stands for subscription video on demand platform. Shutter was just released a while back. Kyle actually mentioned a lot about that a few months ago. And Shutter is, uh, mm-hmm. who's doing Shutter? Fox I'm not 100% Brothers? sure. I can't remember. Some company is uh, AMC, I believe. Yeah. Is doing Shutter, and it's a it's a Netflix for horror. Charlie Band was doing this a year ago. You know what I mean? So this is like, of course, yeah. Yeah, Charlie Band always leads the way, but does not get like the big profit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. I checked out the Shutter site, and it was like, you know, they had some good stuff on there. No, I mean, they it's... actually had quite a few of the films we're covering this month on there. 
Yeah, actually, yeah, they did have a few of those. You know, it, I mean, I have to say, like, Charlie Band's uh, Full Moon Streaming, though, man, there's a shit ton of movies on there. It's pretty cool. Yeah, Exploitation TV, got a huge... by Vinegar Syndrome is out there as well. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it was a start anyways. I mean, I imagine they're probably going to put more on there. But they had a lot of good stuff, though, I will admit. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I was pretty impressed with the lineup that was on Shutter when I checked it out. I um, believe it's only available for your territory, too, or, like, for your area. You know, so, like, I couldn't just subscribe to Shutter because uh, I'm in Canada. So it's one of those type deals, so you have to be an American. So, huh. Yeah, it's kind of like those digital codes, right? Like I posted one for the pyramid last night, not even thinking, and someone tried to use it, and they're like, this doesn't work in your territory. And I'm like, holy fuck, really? Those things are Canadian. Like if it's bought in Canada, it's only usable in Canada. I'm like, okay, so <laughs> what the fuck with these? I mean, I'm like, it's the internet, man. Come on. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, see, the only, so weird, man. the only problem I'm having with this dude is I think that it is bad for uh, the future of home media releases especially when you look at lionsgate who has this extensive Mm -hmm. library this vault that we always talk about lionsgate needs to get off their ass and release some of these things i mean they have all the artisan stuff they have all the trimark stuff uh they own a lot of films that still don't even have dvd releases let alone blu-ray releases and you know, if they're like, well, we're just going to put them all on subscription-based video, then I think that kind of nicks the plan of any future release on DVD at least. Yeah, I don't but, see why they would do that. That's the that is the thing that scares me. I mean, you know, for someone like myself, if I were to subscribe to, you know, whatever, um, say Full Moon or something, I th- which I think is weird because I think I can subscribe to that. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, cause there is international, you just pay more for international streaming or something like that. But anyways, you know, I would personally buy that or subscribe to it just for, like I said before, you know, traveling and things like that. Um, you know, so I can use it that way. It's not going to stop me from collecting, you know, you know, hard media, right? Mm-hmm. Like physical media and stuff. But with, with that said, you know, with that being said about, you know, these films that have never been released that don't have any, it definitely does put a kind of a kind of a nick in the plan to ever release these films and maybe just put them out, you know, online or streamable only. That kind of that kind of hurts, you know. So there there is means to using these services, but then on the flip side, you know, if they're just going to release them like this, yeah, they'll probably never release the physical media if people just keep swarming and uh, subscribing to these things, right? So yeah. that is kind of, that is kind of a downer, but like a, you know, you know, I mean, if they're releasing, putting films onto the streamable things that have always, you know, been released and stuff, then I don't feel as bad. But like, yeah, if you're subscribing to this and that's the plan, you know, you're just kind of feeding into their plan. Like, okay, well, you know, we're making a lot of money off this. What's the point of putting out on media? Yeah, it's that, like, that, well, that we have that this sucks. library that we own. We don't really think that there's enough money in it to do Blu-ray yeah. transfers of all these. We don't want to license it out to other companies and let them get the majority of the money. So how do we monetize these this old catalog but mm-hmm. without actually spending a lot of money to do that and then they come to the subscription based it's such uh, an thing easy. which is essentially I, I won't say it's all profit because obviously you have to create it and, and there's a lot of things that go involved into it but it's definitely mm-hmm. more profit than press and discs oh for sure for sure and yeah that is that's a little scary you know, I mean, it, it's not really a big deal if it was all films that have been already pressed up. But, yeah, if they're going to start putting those back catalogs on there. That's uh, that's a little scary. 
Yeah, you look at films like The Stepfather 3, for example, which yeah, you know, has yeah. never been released on DVD, to my knowledge, in the U.S. No, it hasn't. No. And you're like, okay, if that's on the subscription-based service and a lot of these other films that, that have never been released, like, and that is the only way to get them, it would be cool to have that resource for, let's say, if we did the Stepfather trilogy uh, show or something. Mm. You know what I mean? At least we'd be able to see it in a decent transfer. Uh, maybe the if they uh, started getting a lot of money from this, maybe it would encourage them to be like, okay, it seems like people really care about this stuff. Maybe we should try uh, releasing it and and getting you know uh, or leasing it, uh, whatever you know. So maybe maybe yeah. it will. Who knows? Um, it yeah. is a little scary because you know you never want me, you. Uh, all uh, a majority of the listeners that we have would never want to see physical media go away. I mean, it would no, and it and it won't go away, right? We no. it, it, and at least but not anytime. Soon. The point is, is that we just we might see, you know, we might not see some of these titles that we've been really wanting on physical because they might just put them onto the streamable source. Exactly, exactly. you know, and that's the biggest downfall for the collectors because that's what we really thrive for. We want these films that have never been released on, you know, DVD and Blu-ray and stuff to come out. You know, that's kind of the – those are like the dream titles. And if they're going to do it this way, then it kind of puts a uh, – it kind of puts a kink in the collecting yep. <laughs> a little bit. That sucks. But So we'll yeah. see what happens with that. But if you gave me the choice, will I never see this, these Lionsgate titles on disc or you can have it on the streaming? I would still pick. I would rather have it than not have it. You know what I mean? So – yeah it, it could be pretty cool i i am if anything i'm just curious to see what the fuck they own because you know i know some stuff you, the the information's out there you could research into it and stuff but yeah, yeah. I, i'm just curious to see like what all they own without having to do like extensive research so let's continue along with another piece of news uh this one is some news from uh who's releasing this blumhouse and um forget who the company actually is that is putting out the the blu-ray but is is Blum oh universal jesus christ okay uh universal will be releasing the green inferno on digital hd december 22nd and blu-ray and dvd on january 5th dude january freaking 5th what the fuck? They couldn't get out in 2015, not a week earlier? So it looks like that will actually probably miss our top 10 show. So I'm going to have to fucking rent it in December and then buy it again in January. Yeah, hopefully I have an option of actually renting it. Because that's here. one title uh, that I have to see before the end of the year show. I know. Me too. Actually, you know what, man? We we actually do need to discuss that when that show will be because it looks like the first falls on our recording day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's coming out. Feature commentary with director uh, Eli Roth. And that's kind of it for special features. At least that's what's listed on dreadcentral.com. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that seems uh, kind of pretty empty. Pretty empty, yeah. <laughs> wow, <laughs> crazy. There's no like special two disc or three disc edition, like you know, big fucking bus or. No, that's crazy. They're not putting on a bigger edition for that. Yeah, not that I see of. At least not yet. That's eh, a little disappointing, but I bet you there will be in the future. So. Yeah. Probably just trying to get that shit out, man. I mean, it's been a long time in the making. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we were talking about it at the end of our 2013 show. I believe. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so uh, let's continue on here. We got one more piece of news, and this is something that Derek actually dug up. So last show, I believe I mentioned about the 20th anniversary of Tales from the Hood. Uh, there was a tweet that came out and I had replied to Fangoria and I was like, you know, who actually owns this? You know, it would be cool to see Synapse or Scream Factory or somebody release it. And then Synapse actually replied to me and said Warner owns it. Turns out that is not the case because Derek took the initiative to go out and talk to Warner Archives and say, hey, you guys got any plans to release Tales uh, from the Hood? And they said, no, uh, Universal owns it. So then that yeah, led me back fun. to what I originally said because I had always thought Universal owned it because HBO originally owned it. And then uh, yeah, that yeah. label got picked up by Universal, I believe. And well, I, I, that was my original Yeah, thing. that's what we discussed many times. Then. We just kind of figured that's the way it was. Yeah, so it uh, turns out Universal owns it. And then I went ahead and I posted on Scream Factory's page that, hey, like, have you guys ever considered going after – uh, Tells from the hood. I find it, you know, crazy that it's just sitting there in Universal's library, and nobody's really went after it. And then the like man himself that like floats over Scream Factory's page like nonstop actually commented, and he said that there are some music rights or something holding it up, based on one of Scream Factory's previous posts. I'm sure Scream Factory looked into it. It's been mm-hmm. requested plenty of times. Hopefully, one day it can be had. Which makes sense because you know and I know that has quite the uh, big soundtrack, right? Yeah, it and does. It's, there's it's, there's a lot of artists on there and stuff, and yeah, and you know a couple of the artists on there are deceased also, so maybe there's some rights issues wrapped up with that. I don't know, but you know, that's what happens with those type of soundtracks, I guess, right? Well, yeah, take a show like Daria or The Wonder Years, right? These yeah. were made for yeah. TV. There was no physical media for TV shows in the 90s, right? Like, it, not really. And, and yeah. so they were made for TV. They licensed these songs from these popular artists for TV. Beavis and Butthead is another example. Yeah. And then once physical media comes around, uh-oh, that wasn't in the original contract. We never exactly. got nowadays TV shows that that's in the contract, that's all mm-hmm. figured out. Um, so HBO being the producer of Tales from the Hood, maybe there was some, you know, they didn't really discuss that. There, there's a lot of factors that could go into it. So that actually makes sense, right? That would make sense that it would be a music thing. It also would make sense on why Tales from the Hood is out of print. Maybe they initially, this is, you know, what that, that was a snapper case. That was a while back that was released. Yeah. Maybe that was one of those titles that, they put it out and then they find out there's some legal stuff so they quickly stopped printing it had some kind of settlement or something of course that wouldn't be in the news because there was no internet back then no at least big internet like there is now yeah yeah so it would make sense it that would probably be the reason why mm-hmm. which sucks but also if we can see the wonder years which is my favorite show of all time get released with all the music intact i believe not up in the high 90 percent at least you know what? Just knowing that it is a music thing, I think that you know if they're serious enough of acquiring all the rights to the soundtrack, I think that they can probably do it. You know, I, I mean, I mean, it probably takes a lot of work because, like I said, there's quite a few people that are involved in this. 
Um, so, you know, I mean, if that if that's all they got to do, it's got to work it out. Maybe it'll take some time. I mean, who knows? Maybe they're working on it right now. We don't know. But, you know, at least it's good to know that that's what it is and that yeah. it still has a, you know, it's there still is a hope of this fucking thing being released one day, which is awesome. Absolutely. So. Uh, actually, bro, there is one more piece of news that I totally forgot about. They are trying to bring back Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I heard that. Yeah. So, that is pretty crazy. I, are you familiar yeah, pretty... with the show? Like, it, was you a fan? Did you watch it? Uh, no, I've always known about the show. I've I've seen episodes here and there. I was never, you know, really that huge into it, even though I probably, you know, if it was out now, I would be. But, you know, yeah, I don't know. So I definitely I definitely knew and I really liked the idea of the show and stuff. So, yeah, but I actually did watch <clears throat> a few of it back in the or mid or mid to late nineties. I remember it would be on. I didn't understand it. I, you know, I was young at this time and I, I, it was be on science or the sci-fi channel back when it was S C I. I don't even ever F-I. remember it being televised in Canada. I could be wrong. It might've been televised up here. I mean, I never really seen uh, some of the episodes until, you know, they got posted like online. <laughs> that was really when I got to see them. So, so I'm having a hard time remembering if it was ever actually aired up here. The one that I definitely remember oh, no. seeing was Squirm. Like, cause I remembered the, like the worms and shit, mm-hmm. but there, it, it is a very popular show and it like, it really was like commentaries before commentaries. Right. Yeah. 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 So I would love to see it come back with, with dude, honestly, like I could probably, it's something that I would probably get into actually. Now I was too young yeah. back then. Totally, man. And yeah. I'm a, it's a good idea for a show. And, you know, the funny ones are, are funny. But mm-hmm. so this is being kickstarted and it has a modest goal of two million dollars. <laughs> However, Moods, I will tell you right now, as we are sitting here and as I have been explaining what this is and what's happening and we talked about it, I have physically watched money go up three separate times. It literally wow. changes in real time. So, so their goal is two million. What's it at right now? About one million six hundred and twenty-six thousand dollars, seven hundred forty-eight dollars. One point. It's over one point six million. Correct. Wow, that's like that's already like that's crazy. That's like eighty percent. Twenty-eight days to go, and I literally have watched the, the the money move three times since we've been talking about it. Wow. So how long was this goal going for? Because wow, they've one point six million raised. It's crazy. I, I don't know. It, I think Holy they shit. only what is it like sixty days, forty five days? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I have no idea what the longest you can or the shortest. I have no idea really. I never really pay attention to those. But wow, one point. I'm just really surprised. It's crazy. Good for the good for the fans out there. That's really awesome. Maybe I'll throw in five bucks. Dude, there's like tons of little parks, but the lowest one is ten bucks. Yeah, ah, ten bucks. Yeah, I can probably do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's like tons of parks here. I mean, it, it's a nice campaign. They have a lot of they answer a lot of questions on here. Uh, I'd be curious to see what the movies would be. Uh, they, I guess, they want to do a twelve feature length movie episode. So twelve, they would do the new season would be twelve movies. I'm sure, like with a a budget they can actually like seek out like interesting movies to do and not just like public domain ones yeah 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 
I'm I'm pretty excited about this. I didn't even look. I seen people sharing it around, but I didn't know how big it was until I watched this month. It just ticked up again. Well, that's <laughs> like you know, I'm just I'm just like totally oblivious to the news a lot, and I purposely try to avoid it because I like to you know be surprised on the show. So, but uh, yeah, I so I I really kind of heard about it. I just kind of ignored it. I didn't really realize that it was you know being kickstarted and stuff. That's interesting, but big. Big ups to the fans, though. That's insane. I'm really, really shocked at like how much has been raised already, and they're totally going to meet their goal. Yeah, it just went up again. You know, that's really crazy. So, yeah, that's pretty awesome. It's but yeah, five like, times. like like you said, though, you know, this sets the stage for them getting some pretty interesting films, and not just public domain, which is awesome. You know, that's really yeah. cool. And it has fourteen thousand six hundred and fifty sixty. Now it just went up again. Sixty backers. <laughs> 14,000? Yeah, 660, which I believe is like a $1,000 average or something. Yeah, I was going to say, holy shit, man. That's pretty low for $1.6 million. Yeah, there has to be some actual producers like that have signed on, you know. Oh, they have for the, sure, for sure. So yeah. what's like, so what, what do you get one for 10 bucks? What do you one, get for 10 bucks? Uh, let's see here. What do you get for 10 bucks? You get a don't need a lot of fancy re- rewards don't have a lot to give that's okay friend come on in here under the big tent and join the club you'll get an exclusive info update chock full of behind the scenes access sketches videos set reports and more plus you can prove you helped with a printable <laughs> printable uh mystery science 3 at a 3000 information club 2 membership certificate and id card well, you know, these things aren't really about the perks anyways. It's about <laughs> getting the product made in the first place. So, oh, that you know. is great. You know, honestly, we've talked about this before. And, like, you know, a lot yes. of people are like, well, those, yes. these perks suck. They sorry. I'm like, well, do you want the fucking thing being made? Yeah. Well, then pitch in. Who cares what you fucking get, man? If you want the shit made, throw some bucks towards their way. You yeah. know? Yeah. So, you know. That's really what it's about. It's not about what you get back. Why do you yeah. always have to get something back? You know, like what you're getting is the, is the is the show, right? Exactly and if you don't want to pitch in, point. you don't have to. What you're That's getting what's awesome. is awesome. You still get the show. You still exactly. get the show if you don't want to pitch in. So, you know, honestly though, there, there's been 50 people to pledge a thousand dollars or more. Nine people to pledge five thousand dollars or more. Six people to pledge six thousand dollars or more. Two people to pledge sixty five hundred or more. Seven people to pledge seven thousand five hundred or more. Two people to pledge eight thousand or more. Two people to pledge eight thousand or more. One person to pledge ten thousand. Three people to put pledge another ten thousand. Wow. I mean, it like they yeah, obviously so, have mean, some actual producers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. As well. Yeah, um, that's really that's cool though. But yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'm literally watching it go up, dude. It's pretty cool. So I, I'm pretty sure that it will meet its goal, just judging by how how much. I'm watching it move right now and 28 days to go you're you know 1.6 million into it over 1.6 million into it just went up again by the way uh, I think even if you you only have a couple hundred thousand you can probably take this to any producer on like any TV network and be like look what we did can you kick in the rest hell yeah totally I totally agree with that so I'm pretty confident that we will see this. And that's that's the beauty of the Kickstarters. That's the beauty of the Indiegogos, man. I'm I'm a fan of crowdfunding. I, I know a lot of people have their issues with it, but uh it hey, listen. Sometimes we, sometimes it's the way, man. It's the way you gotta do it sometimes. 
Exactly. Exactly. We'll save that whole other conversation for maybe another show, but you know, there's a lot. I mean, just a short long of it. I mean, some people think that, you know, it's just they're just asking for handouts and stuff. And I don't really look at it like that. You know, sometimes people just need some fucking help, man. And who cares if they're asking for right? handouts? What the fuck does that even mean? Yeah, well, it's because it's isn't that any people that, in it's life? It's the same people that are concerned. It's the same people that are concerned with what they're getting as a kickback. You know, it's like oh, fuck. I'm not giving twenty bucks or thirty bucks for this. Like, do you want the fucking movie being made or not? Who? But my th- my thing is, who cares if they're asking you for something? When like, is it bad had to this ask conversation. for something? Like, I literally had this conversation with Ryan Nicholson. You know about gutter balls too, and I was like, man, I, you know, if I had the money, I would fucking fund the whole goddamn movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because I want to fucking see gutter balls two and three. You know, and that's the thing. And he's like, oh, that'd be awesome. I'm like, yeah, dude, if I had the money, I'd fund the fucking shit right now. <laughs> you know, I didn't care that <laughs> yeah. I just spent thirty bucks Blu-ray. It's nice, you know, but you know, I mean, that's what I could fork out at the time. You know, so yeah, if you want to help out, fuck. <laughs> Alrighty, so getting into mood swings and the DVD and Blu-ray releases for November 17th of 2015. And yeah, this is probably the busiest week uh, for releases in the last few weeks anyways. Um, some of these big companies are releasing multiples, so you know how it goes. Alright, first up here from Scream Factory, we've got White of the Eye. Uh, this is a... Um, Really kind of weird, strange film. Uh, I was really bummed out when Screen Factory announced this one because I actually picked up the Arrow release of this. <laughs> so I was like, are you fucking kidding me? But yeah, White of the Eye is coming out from Screen Factory. Also from Screen Factory, we have the double feature of Troll and Troll 2. Um, I believe if you uh, pre-order or order this from Screen Factory directly, you also get the limited edition uh, version with the um, best worst movie documentary which you can also purchase separately on dvd it's been out for a long time but if you want it in this set you have to go to screen factory and order from there directly and you get it so troll and troll 2 um both fun bad films always a good time best uh, worst movie is like the better than both of them <laughs> yeah the, the documentary is actually really insanely entertaining and it's, it's one just of my insane. favorite documentaries so, yeah, it, it just the whole premise of it is just fucking crazy. But uh, if you don't know anything about it, just check it out. It's pretty awesome stuff. So uh, from all of films here, we got Shock'em Dead. Uh, this is one that I've never seen before. Um, yeah, I'm intrigued. You know, got Tracy Lords in it. And uh, yeah, I've never seen this one. So I've got to get my hands on that one. Uh, of course, from all of films also and they're pairing with uh, uh slasher video forgot to say that with uh shock him dead um yeah killer workout is finally hitting media here in region one so that's pretty awesome and i'm assuming this is the uncut version i'm assuming i don't know i never really heard much about these releases like the specs and stuff but uh hopefully this is the uncut version of killer workout also known as a robicide and uh another one here from all of films and slasher video cinco de mayo um, which is a really fun, you know, film about Cinco de Mayo. Uh, really interesting flick. Um, I think this one is also coming to DVD and Blu-ray. I think all these ones are on DVD and Blu-ray. Am I correct, GP? Yes. Yeah, so all those ones are coming. I know there's some specific DVD onlys. Um, I know that there is a couple more uh, titles that are also being released from all of films and, of course, Slasher Video, and that's Death Nurse 1 and 2. Um, these are shot on video films, so they're only coming to DVD and yeah, so they're also coming out. Um, so Death Nurse one and two literally have the same cover. 
Yeah, I know. It's so strange that they did that. Like, I actually prefer <laughs> the original slasher video DVD releases for these the cover arts. Like, I don't understand what they did here. Death Nurse has a red cover. Death Nurse Two has like a yellow cover. See, I, I think I think all have made a big mistake on how they released these slasher videos, man. I think they they put out the uh, Satan's Blade months ago. They yeah. should have just did one or two a month, man. I know. That's exactly what I said. I said, what the fuck is with, you know, is all of trying to compete with Screen Factory? But I think, you know, ultimately what they're doing is they're actually like lowering their sales because not everyone's going to be able to pick up like all these releases in one month. You know, oh, well, mind you, I'm these not. things are priced very right, though. Like, I mean, down in the U.S., I, I think they're going for like 10, 11 bucks or something for the Blu-rays. That's crazy cheap. Like up here, they're twenty three ninety nine, which is still cheap for an olive release up here. They're usually like 30 bucks. But, you know, I mean, with that said, I mean, maybe you can pick them up. But I don't know, man. What's with releasing like five or six titles in one month or one yeah. day? <laughs> it's, a, it's a little much um yeah next up here we've got a film from i actually don't even know who's releasing this one uh scorpion's releasing this that's right the haunting of morella from 1990 um i believe i've never seen this movie either to be honest i all i know is that six feet under the band the death metal band used this cover on their first album from 95 uh haunted very interesting have you ever seen this movie nope yeah, man, I've never seen this one. It's it's so strange. I believe it didn't have a release before. I want to say it didn't have a release, but I don't know. Um, then we got a bunch of Blu-ray uh, releases. Basically, these are re-releases. Not re-releases on Blu-ray, but these are all coming to Blu-ray from Scream Media. Um, and the first one is The Rage, the unrated director's cut. Uh, actually, a pretty fun film, I have to say. I really enjoy that one. Uh, next up, we got uh, The Last Showing Blu-ray um not the greatest film in the world <laughs> i might add uh then we got the mask maker coming to blu-ray so you know if you're into that one it was decent not really the greatest thing in the world and another blu-ray which i'm really really surprised this is hitting blu-ray and that's ticked off trannies with knives um i have i, I think i've had the dvd in my amazon card for like two years <laughs> never purchased it now it's coming to blu-ray so i don't know ticked off trannies with knives i mean really can you beat a title like that the title is awesome, you know. Um, actually, I forgot to mention, you know, I, you know, this isn't horror related, but you know, it's a title that's been very, very sought out, especially on VHS, and is is also coming to all of films from slasher, and it's Deadly Prey, you know, the action film. Um, so, if you guys are interested in that, pick it up. I'm, I mention it because I'm going to pick it up because you know it's a really, really bad, fun film. So, you know, got to grab it. And uh, I think this movie right here is coming out. From, yeah, it is Sony Pictures, The City of Lost Children. It's coming out from Sony, the 20th anniversary Blu-ray. Is that a horror movie? I want to say it is. I don't know. I've never seen it. Looks maybe fantasy. Could be like fantasy, horror, a nightmare, a fairy tale. I don't know. I always... Well, let's see what the good old IMDB has to say it is. Yeah. You know, it's listed on here, um, so... I don't know. It's listed as sci-fi slash fantasy. Sci-fi slash fantasy. So it probably has like minor horror elements in it and stuff. Eh, who knows? Who knows? And yeah, and then last up here for the DVD and Blu-ray releases for this week is another one from Kino from their Kino Classics line. And they are uh, releasing um, Fast or Faust. 
however you want to pronounce it, um, the original film from, I believe, the 20s, silent film. Uh, That's a cool cover. 1930, I think, is when it came out. So 1930. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, these Kino Classic lines, man, whew, these ones always go for crazy money. When they first come out, they're always like 30 bucks here. And it's like, yeah. I don't know about that, man. Paying thirty bucks for that, but holy I shit! I just—it's literally thirty-one forty-six on US right now. Yeah, I don't know what is with it. Kino is is a very interesting label because you know they have their Kino classics that usually go on sale, and they're all you can usually get those things for like eleven, twelve bucks. And you got like the Kino Redemption line, which are always kind of like mid-range prices. Then you got these Kino classics that are always you know kind of the top of the top of the line pricing and then you know regular kino releases are you know 20 bucks so what is with kino and their pricing like everything's all over the place well, i mean so it's it's amazon lines. that prices it it's based on pre-orders and uh the title and what they bu- what they get it from kino mm-hmm. it, it is interesting that they're always relatively like, specific to the line you know they're always kind of relatively you know pricing those ranges you know yeah, like a, but you know, it probably is Kino separates the pricings on their lines too, so yeah. they, I, I don't they, know. It's weird. They do vary quite a bit, man. It's it's really nuts how they do that. So yeah, but honestly though, dude, like I never look at these prices seriously because it's I know that they're gonna go down. Like I'm not gonna buy them at that price. Like no. they go down. Yeah. Like I I rarely buy anything for full price. Like ever, unless it's something I'm really looking forward to, like mosquito. Like almost every Scream Factory I own, which is almost all of them, by the way, I'm almost there. I've I've bought all the collector's editions, most of them for you know sixteen bucks. Most of the other editions for about ten to fourteen bucks. You know, it. I don't yeah, really yeah. spend a lot on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it's still a lot, but I mean, I ne- I will never pay like the full price on all this shit. It, it usually goes down within two months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you should hope anyways. I mean, there's just some things that just never seem to go down. It's it so really fucking... fucks you up in Canada. Yours is just completely oh, it, hard to predict. Oh, it's just out of control, actually. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense half the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's going to do it for the uh, the DVD and Blu-ray releases. Now, my pick of the week. My release DVD, of the week. Or my release of the week. Um I'm going to have to go back to, you know, you know, this is a tough one because I want to say one film, but I've, you know, I haven't seen it in such a long time. And, and I also seen, I believe in a cut version too. Um, but I do remember really enjoying it, especially the music in the film, but I'm going to go with this one from, uh, you know, all of films and slasher video. I'm going to say Cinco de Mayo is the release. Interesting. Interesting. I honestly wouldn't know what to pick here. Uh, yeah, Cinco de Mayo. It's because I like you know I've seen it recently and I really enjoy the film, man. It's it's a really fun you know low budget type film, but it's it's well made. It's well done, you know. So if you was only planning on buying one movie this week, which I pretty much am, go with Cinco de Mayo. Mood mm-hmm. says so. Yep. I guess I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I'm actually not going to be buying this Blu-ray release of it because I already have the the DVD of it. I'm just there's no need to upgrade. Yeah. Uh, but oddly enough, I am going to be getting Killer Workout and Shock Him Dead because I don't have copies of those. Those aren't upgrades. So that's really cool. So I guess do what you want. You know, if you don't want to upgrade and you have Cinco de Mayo, the Slasher Video original DVD release. Come on, nobody has that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, then, you know, go with one of the others. But if you don't, grab the Blu-ray. So, yeah. Mm. All right. 
So uh, with that said, I guess it's time for voicemails, right? Yes, voicemails. So we do have a few. It has slowed down a little bit since the last episode, the last two episodes, actually. Uh, first up, we have one from Brandon. Hey guys, it's Brandon. Looking forward to the uh, Gates of Hell show. Um, definitely gonna check out those movies again before you do the show, so I can at least follow along and remember since it's been a while since I viewed them. I wonder if you guys were thinking about doing maybe um, spoilers. If not for this show, maybe for the uh, Mikhail Slavi show, or however his name is said. Um, I would love to hear um, open dialogue, especially about Cemetery Man. I want to consider it. I mean, I feel like probably most people have seen it, and those who haven't could either skip that part or hold off. Just a thought. I'll uh, talk to you guys next week. No questions or anything this week. Later. All right, so that was Brandon just dropping us a line for yeah, it's definitely something that show. we never yeah, it's something that we never uh, discussed. You know, doing open reviews on that show. Um, I mean, he's probably correct. I mean, I would assume most people have seen, but at the same time, I don't know. Well, at the same time, you would assume most people have seen, yet I haven't even seen. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, see. I always debate with myself on this spoiler topic uh, because I personally have listened to hundreds, if not thousands of podcasts over the past five years. I've been listening to podcasts since 2010. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I always had an issue with is the shows that are completely spoiler heavy. Like they don't limit themselves because I don't want to hear spoilers like if it's a film i seen yes i i love when it's a film that i seen and they talk about it because they can talk about it in depth and and everything so i debate with myself all the time and i honestly personally am kind of cool with the way we're doing it now where we will spoil we will give ourselves a little bit of freedom if it's like a franchise show or something like that but we're still doing individual. These aren't really sequelized films here, so they're still like individual reviews. And I don't really want to spoil them. At the same time, I understand where Brandon's coming from, and there is the potential of. I mean, this is something that I had thought of, but I really did, never considered for sure doing. But there is a way that we could do spoilers by talking about them at the end of the show. Like now, we're gonna go yeah. to spoilers, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I'm I'm the same way, man. Like, I don't want to, like, I like listening to stuff as long as I've you know watched the films. You know, mm-hmm. then feel free to spoil away. Like, I mean, it's not spoiling it for me. I mean, most people are probably like that, though. You know, they don't yeah. really want to know the ending of a film if they haven't seen it. So, you know, I really don't like to ruin things for people. And you know, I I know exactly what he's talking about too, Brandon. I know exactly what you're talking about because with Cemetery Man, um. Yeah, talking about the ending is probably a really interesting conversation. Hmm. And I know exactly where he's coming for with that one because if we're going to keep the spoiler free, then we have to stay clear of that, you know, the ending to the film, uh which is yeah, would be a really interesting conversation if we were doing it, you know, with spoilers. So, yeah, I understand, but um I don't know. I mean, we could possibly do it the way JP wanted to, you know, let's get into the spoilers, you know, after the show kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, if that's something that people would want, but let us per- know personally. Yeah. I don't know. 
it's 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 a tough one. It's my tough my one. thing is the problem is I just feel like when you openly say you're gonna do spoilers, a lot of people tune out. A lot of people just stop listening to the show right there. At least people still listen to the show when they know we're not gonna spoil it, even if they haven't seen the film. They'll be yeah. like, okay, well I know they're not gonna spoil it, so. But I feel like we would lo- like overall like a lot of listeners would leave especially when we cover some of the newer films and i'm really yeah. ocd and i don't want to do like well we'll do this one but not this one and this one but you know what i mean I, I like everything uniform so i understand where some people are coming from you know like with newer films you know mm-hmm. it's probably not the best idea to be spoiling films and stuff because they're still new to people you know you know take the uh, gates of hell trilogy for instance you know most people in our realm have probably seen these movies but Except at the same me. time there's still people that haven't like you mm-hmm. so i don't really want to ruin it for people and like you me. know there, there's <laughs> always that disclaimer there's always that disclaimer you could throw at the beginning of the show hey guys we're going to do spoiler yeah but except for time, we always like, forget that disclaimer until halfway through the review like, yeah right exactly. before we start spoiling exactly. stuff but then again we you know if people do listen to the show quite frequently like when we are doing a franchise yeah it's an automatic spoiler because a lot of the times you can't talk about one movie without you know spoiling the end Correct. because generally it leads into the next film so you have to talk about it so it is what it is but you know people should know that but you know with these type of things you know there is people out there that still haven't seen them and i, I don't really want to ruin it for them and plus i want them to listen to the show anyways you know get our thoughts on it maybe it'll entice them to listen to it you know so if i can bring if i can get one more person on board listening to the gates of hell trilogy without giving spoilers yeah you know that's what i'll do Gotcha. So, uh, considered Brandon. And if anybody has any feedback they would like to throw in, let us know. Um, and continuing along here, we have a couple of voicemails from Dave. I'm going to let both of them play through, uh, without a break in between. My name is Bob. My daddy's here to do some research. Hi, Bob. No, it's not really Bob. It's Daisy. How's it going, guys? Just wanted to call again to uh, for a couple of things. Last show was great. Thanks for it. Glad everybody loved our general. And I think it's really cool that uh, that JP and Jeremy are finally going to see more of his library. So that's that's always good. But yeah, great show. It flowed great. It was fun to listen to as always. And I actually went back and listened to another show of yours, and it was the. Um, the end of the year show for last year when you guys did your top 10. And uh, that was great. I listened to it before. It was actually the first show you guys did, or the first show I heard from you guys. But I wanted to go back now that I know your personalities more and all that stuff. So I went back and listened, and that was great. And I had some questions about that, but I'm going to wait till, uh, till Jeremy is there. I know he's not going to be there for this recording. So, <clears throat> But it's funny because Moods actually said something on that show. And it leads to what I was going to say about Eli Roth. You guys just happened to be talking about it. <laughs> and Mooch was like, yeah, he was a uh, a good director for like three years. Or he was a horror director for like three years. And then he was gone. You know, and basically, I wanted to clear that up because that's what my thing was. That was my beef. I wasn't hating on him for any other reason. I could care less what he looks like, actually. You know, I'd rather a guy look closer to to what I look like than some old Batman, so that that wouldn't bother me. And I actually really do like the the first three films. Thought I love Hostel. I think Hostel Two was great, and I really like Cabin Fever. So I wasn't a hater of him for any other reason. I didn't uh, have issue because I thought his movies were lesser than. I just got tired of waiting eight years for the guy to do something, and he was just <laughs> he 
JP's probably gonna, probably gonna remember now the discussion we had. Yeah, I do. And it was just, he was just producing and doing nothing. And I'm like, what the fuck? This guy, I mean, I thought he was just coasting on his name, you know, he became buddies with Quentin Tarantino, and he was just acting, and just, you know, doing shit, and I'm like, is this guy gonna ever do anything again, or is he a flash in the pan? So, that was my beef, the fact that he, uh, you know, everybody was saying, not everybody, but people were saying, oh yeah, he's a master of horror, and this and that. You know, now the movies have come out, and now I'm fine with that, I was just, you know, the Eli Ross clown thing pissed me off, because everybody was walking around, talking like, Oh, yeah, it's Eli Ross Clown. I'm like, no. <laughs> he was like one producer out of eight. I think he was an executive <laughs> producer at that. <laughs> either way, yeah. that, that's the past now. That was just my beef. He wasn't doing anything. So yeah. I'm glad he bounced back, and, and it's awesome. And, and the movies are really good. So, so right on. Look. All right, continuing along here, we got Dave number two. You know, I tried to talk fast, so it wouldn't cut <laughs> off, and it still did. Anyway, yeah, so I think you guys get the gist of the thing with me and Roth or the way I felt, but, you know, uh, honestly, now, he's one of my favorite modern directors. I think Rob Zombie is still my favorite, but I'm not ready to call either of them a master of horror just yet. It requires a little more. Actually, it's, it's cool, JP, you brought that up last show, about having that discussion, and that's that's a that's a conversation I'd love to have. What does make a master of horror? That's, that's really cool. So, uh, as far as Fulci goes, I'm excited for the show, of course, like every show. But uh, love the Beyond. Um, the, the, the Gates of Hell trilogy is good stuff. Um, City of the Living Dead is good too. Uh, I've seen it the you know the least amount of them. House by the Cemetery. I think the gore is really good. The first half is cool, and then I just kind of get confused with it, and I just don't really understand what's happening in the second half. So it's, I don't know. But, I'm but I'm, by I'm that. glad to be here and you guys talk about it. I enjoy the movie, so that's that. One last thing. Horror comedies. I am on board with you guys. I've been saying it all year as well, and not in, not in the flattering way. This is the year of the horror comedy, and complaining kind of. I, I try not to do that on other people's pages because I don't want to come off like an asshole. But I do it on my show and on my you know my page a little. So anyway, it, I'm right with you guys. But it's strange because I know this has been a lot of really good horror comedies. I might have three in my top because I know he loves trauma. And that's as goofy as it can get. I don't even like promo. Like, the only one I can watch is Toxic 1. And that's it. So, but I'm right there with you. But I got to say, Deathgasm, what we do in the shadows, and a couple other ones. Yeah, um, Dave, uh, thanks for the uh, voicemails. Um, you know, to address the uh, the horror comedy thing. Now, you know, the thing is, I do really like horror comedies. Now, I wasn't, I was more kind of complaining about the fact that this year is the more notable films that everyone seems to be talking about and, you know, the buzz that's generating is about horror comedies. Now that was kind of my beef right there. You know, generally I like to hear, you know, straight up horror films, the the ones that are getting more of the buzz and stuff, but it just seems like every film that comes out today and is generating that buzz is a horror comedy. Now that that's kind of where I was getting at with it. Now I like some horror comedies. Of course I do. Like I'm a huge trauma fan and I like horror comedies, you know, if they're done properly and stuff, you know, I, I like some of the stupid ones too, but it just seems this year that it's just way too many that are getting buzz. I'm like, where the fuck are the serious horror films? I want to see a couple serious horror films here and there. Yeah. I just, you know, I really just wanted to, uh, you know, I, I just wanted more serious horror films kind of mixed in with the uh, the horror comedies this year. Now, yeah, just like I said, I just don't want you to get me wrong that I'm, you know, totally against horror comedies and stuff. I'm, I'm completely not. You know, recently I watched Bloodsucking Bastards 
and thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, I was actually pretty happy with the film. It had me laughing through the whole things. There was lots of uh, lots of quotes actually, you know, f- that I took from the film that I've been using the last couple of days. It's just it's kind of stuck in my head. It was pretty funny and stuff. I still need to see Deathgasm and uh, um, a couple others too. But uh, yeah, basically just to clear it up, I just wanted you know a, a, a nice balance of you uh-huh. know films, you know, some horror comedies mixed in with some serious ones and i just feel that all the films that are getting the majority of the buzz this year are horror comedies and it's just kind of irritating me a little bit so just to clear it up that's all i meant by that you know so yeah what are your thoughts? and I, I i'm similar like obviously i like horror comedies return of the living dead is one of my favorite horror films of all time i'm not against them but i will say that horror comedies in except for the rare case of return of living dead and maybe chainsaw 2 will never be like my favorite horror films of all time like i don't think you will have a horror film that goes down in history as one of the best movies ever you know like the exorcist or like chainsaw you're not gonna ever have that with a horror comedy because that's not what people initially get into horror for and when you're flooding the market with all the horror comedies it, it, it does get – I get fatigued from it. I just don't care about mm-hmm. them as much. And I like seri- – my favorite kind are serious horror, just horror movies. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing. I don't hate them though. I don't hate horror comedies. I just don't look forward to them as much mm-hmm. as I do like when I hear buzz about, oh, dude, this is like a crazy violent horror film or something. you know, Or like this yeah. is a crazy scary horror film that's coming out this year. I just don't want like, you know, like I like a good horror comedy too, but I just don't want it to become like the new zombie. Yeah. You know, like, you know, like zombies, zombie films were just flooding the market so much and people kind of got really burnt out. I mean, it's kind of what happened with the the found footage genre too. You know, it just got, people just got overwhelmed with them. Now I feel like that's, that's kind of what's happening with the horror comedies. It seems like every year there's always a couple of decent ones, but this year there's like an abundance of them, you know, not all of them are good. Some of them are really bad, but uh, that's all I'm saying. You know, yeah. just kind of tone it down just a little bit. Have more of a balance. You well, know, that's really what I was saying. So. Something that Dave Z said in there was, you know, I'm not the biggest horror comedy fan, and I have a few on my list this year. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's that actually lends to the point that exactly. that's because that's all you have to choose from. Exactly my point. See, this is where the balancing comes in, and yeah, I just you know I'd like to see a you know real serious one. You know, balance it out, man. Yeah. Balance it out. And you as know, far so. as you know, he commented on the Eli Roth thing. And mm-hmm. yes, Dave, I do remember that conversation we had. We had a huge conversation over in Banana Laser and Twenty Two Shots months ago. And I was completely aware that Dave Z's main problem with Eli Roth was him getting credit that he didn't deserve because he had produced yeah. a bunch of films, and yeah. it's like people were talking as if like you know Eli Roth's the clown or Eli I Roth's hate that the too, stranger. Though. I hate yeah. that too. Like he brought up the whole clown thing, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, Eli Roth was one of eight producers on there." And I, I probably understand the fact that you know it's a sell point for the film. Put the biggest name, the biggest producer that's involved with this film on the cover to sell it. I mean, I understand that po- uh, that you know aspect of marketing and stuff. But then again, people are only seeing Eli Roth. You know, so it's kind of giving them that you know a little bit of a bad image, putting a, leaving a bad taste in people's mouths. I think is what it's doing. You know, I think people are just starving. They just want Eli Roth to make a fucking film. And when you see his name yeah. plastered all over all these films, you're like, okay, what the hell is going on with this guy, man? Like, can you please just do another film? Yeah. You know, and, so I understand where people are coming from. And the people that I was talking about last week, the people that I feel like hate Eli Roth because of the way that he looks and acts and his status are 
obviously not the same type of person as Dave. Dave is a logical person. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about retards here. I'm talking about people who don't get things and, and who just want to hate to hate. The same people that hate Rob Zombie for no reason. And those people honestly are just the worst type of people because no matter what you say to them, they just they have their way of thinking. And that is not – I was not lumping Dave into the same category as those idiots. Those are the people who – are just the scum of the horror world, the people who just hate to hate to hate. I knew Dave had valid reasons, and I won't say that he actually hated Eli Roth either. He thought were valid points, and it was it – was, last week when I was talking about those people, it wasn't a reference to Dave, and I know that he knows that as well, just kind of clearing it up. Uh, yeah, Dave, Dave had very valid points about Eli Roth. Dave had commented on my comment about – the masters of horror talk being an interesting conversation like what does it take to be a master horror and yeah i I definitely think that that would be a conversation that would be cool to have both with us and with dave It, it is almost an entire show to really outline the rules the qualifications how many good films how many films in general uh, how many great films, how many 10s out of 10. I mean, there, there's so many factors that could go into yeah. it. TV work, influence. There's just tons yeah. of stuff that what is a master of horror? It's such an interesting topic. Influence is a big one. You know, I think I think influence is a big one. But of course, all those other specs are very, very notable. And it could be a huge conversation. So, yeah, maybe save that for a totally different show. But, yeah, what makes a master of horror? Good yeah. films? That definitely has to qualify. I mean, that's one of the qualifications. But you look at their era. You look at what they Hmm. did. Did they? Are they? Did they make any game changers? Like Halloween was a game changer. Uh, Is Hostel a game changer? Did that influence the next? uh, You know, five years of films that we got. You know, you know. There's there's a lot of conversation there. You definitely have to look at eras for sure. For sure. I mean, with the new era, like, you know, there there is some very notable directors that have made a big impact, whether you like them or not. They've made impacts on, you know, modern horror, Eli Roth being one of them. And, of course, Rob Zombie, another one, because he's a huge conversation piece. You know, he's made such a big impact on the horror realm, the horror world, that, you know, a lot of people wouldn't, you know, per se – you know, say that he's a master of horror, but he's definitely made a really big impact, which can play into the conversation. You know, I mean, really, Rob Zombie gets brought up in everyone's conversation, but yeah, you know, I mean, we're a little biased, I think, when it comes to Rob Zombie, too, because we do enjoy his films for the most part. But I understand why people don't either, you know, to a certain degree, as long as they explain themselves properly. I hate that, you know, we've talked about this many times in the past, but. You know, I hate the whole argument. Well, you know, he just makes movies to put his wife in. Fuck that argument. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, you know elements here that we could bring up, especially with the modern directors. Yeah, modern and, is a little tougher. And, and and that that brings up another point as well is is time. Like have have you? I'm sure time has to come involved too. Have you done your time in in horror history? Uh, I, I think that it goes without saying that the longer somebody is around, the the more of a legacy they have, the more that they've done. Uh, you can't go calling uh, a new uh, player a Hall of Famer. You know, they just haven't put the time in. So it is like it is one of those things where you do have to consider the how long they've done it. Mm-hmm. 
It'd be an interesting show to do. You know, you, you have this whole conversation of what makes a master of horror. Then you, then we break it down. You know, we take everyone's views and opinions and stuff. And it's not per se our top picks for the, you know, our, our favorite top directors of all time or whatever. But, you know, you make a list, mm-hmm. you know, of what oh. you think the most, you know, yep. influential, like, you know, the biggest and what actually What's most are the important down to what is important but yeah. not as important yeah so you make a top 10 list of you know the top 10 directors of all time you know based on all the things that we talk about right and then you analyze so, what they've done mm-hmm. and then you make your list off of that and then and then you throw out names like roth and names like ty west and names like adam green and names like uh some of the more obscure ones like that only did one fucking film like john landis you know and, and you yeah. say is he yeah. a master and then we discuss it mm-hmm. exactly what a great yeah. show that that is a that is that is the mm-hmm. horror you need you need all kind of different top guys from from podcasts the masters of podcasting discussing the masters of horror exactly I think it'd be a really interesting conversation, man, because there's so many names you can throw out there, man, from, you know, Bergman to, you know, I mean, whatever, Argento, Fulci, Rita, Rita, modern directors, you know, it's just you can blend in everybody. Hitchcock, who arguably only did a couple horror films, right? Yeah, but Hitchcock's an interesting one because he's like, you know, he's definitely a master of suspense and, you know, directing and stuff. So, I mean, he definitely fits in there. But, yeah, like the conversation could be really good. Mm-hmm. So. so we'll definitely that is episode 100 maybe Maybe? (laughs) yeah episode 100 call back to earlier (laughs) okay so let's let's continue along here with uh the voicemails we got uh two more voicemails both from one person this is lawrence calling in talking about something that we talked about last couple episodes i believe hey guys it's lawrence again i'm calling in regard to a statement that you guys made on maybe the last two uh podcasts or at least (laughs) one I think uh, JP made. It's about how we need to have a national tragedy in order for horror films to go to a more serious level instead of having all these horror comedies. I don't think that's the case. In fact, I think if we have a national tragedy today, it would actually make it more likely to have uh, horror comedies. Here's my reasoning. When you had times past when there wasn't as much information floating around so freely, people didn't have a lot of ways of getting information about tragedies. Now think about the Manson murders. When the movie about the Manson mur- murders was going on, it was being made the same time the trials were going on. And it was a hint because this was something that people were entertained by. It's something that they were interested in learning more about. They wanted to get information about what was going on because the only outlets they had were the news. And even then, you might not get as much information as you would in a film. And other films have exploited this because people are interested. They want to get immersed in it. Fast forward to today, where you can easily get immersed in anything because there's cameras on almost every device that exists now. Hell, they've got uh, computer chips and greeting cards. You've got a cell phone that can basically run your entire life. People aren't looking for movies to get them this information. They just have to turn on their phone 
and it's all right there in all the gruesome details. So the reason we have so many horror comedies is simply because not that things are too good, it's because they're absolute shit. There is so much tragedy that's going on right now and so much information about it going around that people are getting really depressed. <clears throat> and then the movie makers come in and say, well, we've got all these people that are depressed, so obviously they want to feel better, so let's give them what they want. And what they want is comedy, something to liven up their life, something to make them feel better. So actually, if a national tragedy did happen, we would have an even larger number of horror comedies coming out because it's a way of getting a release. Cuts off there, I'm going to play a second message. Hey guys, I pulled arms again. Seems I got cut off because my explanation was a little too long-winded, but <laughs> I think in regard to what I was saying, I got everything out that I wanted to. The other thing I wanted to talk about was the two movies that I saw. The first one was Tremors 5, that new installment in the series that I thought was going to be a lot worse than it actually turned out to be, and Unfriended, that film that was very surprising in how original and yet traditional it has been. So, first of all, let's start with Tremors 5. I was watching this thinking that it was going to be the worst in the series, and actually it's a pretty damn good one, which is both good because it's a nice film. It's good to see that even five films in, there is a decent installment still going on in the Tremor series. The bad thing is, we're probably going to get more of these things. And I don't want to see the actress who plays Burt Gummer getting any older in this series, still going around with guns and grenades, trying to blow things up and being disgruntled about it, basically everyone and everything. I would actually like it if they continued on the series but had some different people in it. And actually, I'd be kind of interested to see Trevor is go to, like, Canada, where there's all kinds of snow. I mean, I think it'd be kind of cool if you had an ass blaster chasing down skiers as they're going down a hill, or Graboy is setting off avalanches to trap unsuspecting victims in snow so they can eat them more easily. Anyway, uh, Unfriended. That one was very interesting. I don't know if uh, any of you have seen that. In fact, I don't know if any of you have seen Tremors 5, but Unfriended was a really good hit film and something more original than most of the horror films I've seen in the last five, ten years. I'm wondering what your opinion is on the film, and if you guys could do like a quick review or a dedicated review to it. So, um, just wondering in what your thoughts are on that. And what your thoughts are on having grab boys in a snowy environment. So, hope to hear your podcast soon. Have a great day, guys. <clears throat> okay, so uh, Lawrence touches on a multiple of subjects. First up is what I made the comment that I think natural, yeah, not natural, but national disasters, things. <laughs> Nat <laughs> yeah, natural. So, natural, too, you know? Natural, too, like the um, hurricanes and stuff. But. 
I think that what I was getting at, what I, I kind of disagree with what he says a little bit and agree at the same time. I agree with the parts where we – I think he was kind of alluding to the fact that we are a little more desensitized with technology, with the, the amount of school shootings and stuff. It's, it's kind of like a regular day thing now. Uh, but I will yeah, say that he thinks that you know when every, everybody is depressed, which I actually don't think everybody in the world is depressed right now or everybody in the U.S. I think people are more happy than, than potentially ever. Um, and I, I really believe that. I, I, I think back to times like the 9-11 attacks and stuff. And I remember there was just a cloud of depression over the entire – like my entire world, everything that I knew. Um, he says that potentially directors will uh, see that since everybody's depressed now, they will compensate by making comedies. And, and I tend to disagree because the core of filmmaking is uh, your emotions. It's, it's the uh, – you're a product of your environment. And that's why I say – after the Vietnam War and the Charlie Manson uh, murders, everybody's making these dark, violent films because they are a product of their environment. What is happening around them, they are projecting onto screen, onto pen and pad as they write these films. Everything got hyper-violent after that. You look again at the 2001 era uh, with with films like Hostel and saw they were extra super violent. They were, they were straight-up horror films. 28 days later stuff where it's like just just dread and and decay and and the the you know just the end of the world like in in an emotion uh so so i i stick by what i'm saying i, I really think that the big things big negative experiences breed this de- this this anger and depression and violence that then gets projected onto screen i think right now everybody's too fucking happy and they they want and the, and that's they're projecting they're fucking comedies. Hmm. What do you yeah, think? I, yeah, I mean, I, I agree and disagree too. Um, you know, I, I completely agree with, you know, you know, especially, you know, after Nam and stuff like that, a lot of the films were definitely projecting what people were feeling at that time. And, you know, which was in a different place and especially after nine 11 and stuff like that. Um, I think, you know, it just seems to me, I mean, I don't live in the United States, so I don't, you know, exactly know what the, the full tone is of the people down there. Um, but to me, it seems like, you know, things are definitely a little better. You know, I don't think I don't think it's like the most dark and depressing time. I mean, you look at, you know, 10 years ago in the United States when you got like in the depression and stuff, um, you know, it was fucking miserable. Like really, really miserable. It was miserable up here, too, because it was affecting everybody mm-hmm. and stuff. And I think things are just a lot better down there you know and i don't know man i i guess what it basically comes down for me is it's it's all personal i don't think generally you know you're talking about a product of your environment and yes i do totally agree with that for certain personalities you know certain people are willing to you know express what you know what they're living in you know, yeah. in that way. And other people do the complete opposite. You know, you know, you take I, and this is an example that I know. And, you know, you take like, you know, you take hip hop music, man. You know, people associate gangster rap with, you know, you know, like Compton and stuff like that. And people seem to forget that there is rappers that come out of Compton that don't acknowledge and exploit the violence. They they look at the lighter side of things. You know, people seem to forget, you know, like, you know, you look at NWA and stuff and, you know, th- that's what they do. They they glorify and they not not, not glorify, but they're street rappers man they and they, they were talk also about but what they, they were see. also angry right they were angry exactly so that's what they do but then you look at you know other people that grew up in the exact same environment and you know when they write songs like skilo skilo came from the fucking hood 
you know, but he didn't he didn't rap about rap about things like that. And I'm only using those names because people know who they are, you know, but he came from a rough neighborhood and he didn't write songs about that. And, you know, and I'm just trying to, you know, put a parallel to, you know, people and their environments, too. And I think some people just don't yeah. want to acknowledge the shittiness in their everyday life. So they will make a horror comedy. So I think it really depends on the but, person is what, what essentially what I'm saying. But what? Yeah, obviously it does. But what I'm saying, hmm. we're not talking about like that though we're talking about an overall tone right so so it's it's the well it's hard it's to the, it's hard to acknowledge the overall tone because for me i think of individuality more than like an overall tone i mean to me i'm not influenced by a lot of you know say like you know social issues that are going on. i just kind of do my thing and that's just the way i am yeah you know, like, and i think we, that we can have too. some really sh- i think I mean, that a way fucking too. building across the street could blow up and i could be in here fucking you know watching fucking home alone you know, and laughing and shit. Like, I'm just weird like that. Like, I just kind of do my own thing. Yeah, and I'm the exact same way. But just because I am that way doesn't mean that I don't acknowledge what I see around me. Mm-hmm, and, exactly. I, and I look back in history. People like George Romero have said it. Uh, people like Wes Craven have said, you know, coming out of Vietnam, I, I was angry when I made Last House on the Left. I, I just, there was all the, I was yeah. young. There's these yeah. emotions. I think that it, I think that it definitely has, has its place. I think that it, maybe it might not be as, but again, now, but again, it's, you know, it is, you know, like Wes Craven did say, you know, he was pissed off at that time. But, you know, in the same time in, in that year, you know, there was other type of movies that were being made and people that were exposed to the same type of thing. But they just didn't want to acknowledge that anger on screen and, you know, portray themselves like that. Yeah, but you there know, would I be that, that. at any time, too. Like, there, there's exactly. never going to be one way. It's never just exactly. one way. Exactly. That's and for that's, sure. And, and that's what I'm saying, right? You know, it's like. You know, I mean, sometimes the last thing in the world people want to do, like, oh, fuck, we're living in this depression. Fucking Jesus Christ. Like, okay, let's just make like an ultra violent film. And, you know, that's what some of those filmmakers were feeling. That's totally cool. But then you go on the flip side and you got these people going, you know what? I really don't want to acknowledge this right now. I want to make something that, you know, people can laugh about and, you know, and not have to worry about, you know, that fucking dark ass tone that's outside, you know, in the real world and stuff. So, like I said, my point is, I think it depends on the individual and that's just what it is. Yeah, it does. But when you look at, when you're talking about the world or you're talking about horror, you kind of have to generalize it, right? You have to put it into one context in a way if you're going to talk about it as a whole. So that's kind of what I was getting at. Like there's these different eras it you know what was going on there it, mm-hmm. it, obviously it's deeper than that but at the surface is just kind of what i was getting at and yeah i i agree i agree with what you're saying about you know there's there's fucking ridiculous cheesy slapstick all throughout time you know when yeah, yeah yeah um what what else did Lawrence ask? He asked about Tremors. Um, I haven't seen Tremors five yet. I, I yeah, love this series. I think it's great. But... I actually have it sitting right behind me too. And you know, I've been meaning to watch it. I just haven't gotten around to it. And yeah, I mean, I've been hearing nothing but good things, which is awesome. That's surprising. <laughs> so yeah, I I am genuinely surprised that people are saying that it's a good sequel, and that gives me hope. I actually wouldn't mind seeing a million Tremors films. I love them. I. The only yeah. one that I don't love is four, and even then, I think that it has its moments. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm excited to see Tremors five. Five. <laughs> I even five. <laughs> uh, and then the, the final thing he asks about is Unfriended. Um, actually, all three of us have seen it. Jeremy reviewed it, I believe, two or three podcasts ago. I don't know exactly, but recently, and he really enjoyed it. No, I, I reviewed it. Was it you? Yeah. Jeremy reviewed it on the podcast too, didn't he? No. 
uh, whatever. But anyways, Jeremy's review or Jeremy's rating was really high. I think he gave it like an eight and a half or something. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. But, you know, he, you know, he told us what he, you know, what he, his thoughts on it and stuff. And I think me and you came in with the exact same rating. I came in with like a six and a half on it. Um, my thoughts on the film is that I really enjoyed the premise and I thought the premise was, you know, it was presented well. And what I mean is like the look, I like the idea of, you know, just this whole movie being, you know, we're viewing it through someone's laptop and stuff. And, you know, basically what we're doing right now on Skype, Mm -hmm. it's exactly what we're doing. And, you know, I like that whole general premise for me, just a lot of things didn't really work um, as well as I would have liked them to. This is a movie where we talked about, you know, we talked about liking characters and films, and this is a film I didn't really care for anybody. So I didn't care when they died or how they died or whatever. And, you know, I think you're, you know, I know you're, you're also not supposed to like them too, too much because of what they've, you know, you're not supposed to like them at all. Like the whole concept behind it is the same as beneath where it's like, yeah, these group of friends that are friends on the surface, but they're terrible people beneath. So that's the concept behind this one. I just thought that the characters sucked. I yeah, thought they, did they suck. were all mm-hmm. just just these basic run of the mill types who I think it worked a lot better. Didn't beneath. evoke an emotion positive or negative from me. They just seemed kind of fake. They didn't seem real to me. And yeah, in exactly. a movie where you're playing it as if you're supposed to feel these characters are real, it didn't work in that way. Yeah, I I agree. But I think it just played off a lot better in Beneath, maybe because they were, you know, they were in the same situation, you know, like, I mean, obviously, they're, they're in the same situation in Unfriended, but, you know, just being in that physical form and just being in that, I don't know, it just seemed to work a lot better. Maybe it was also the to the me, the conversations that, felt fake. They well, when the, they were talking to each other and they were like they just reacted unrealistically. Yeah, the, the way that they the dude pulled out his gun, he's like, oh, "I fucking can't take this thing." Like you're in your house. What are you gonna do, dude? What are you gonna do? Like you're pulling out your gun in your house by yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I totally it, feel that. It just didn't and, you know, make sense. I think some people might disagree, but I didn't really like the whole, you know, let's play a game type aspect to it. I mean, I understand that, that what, why they did that in the film completely understand, you know, was to, you know, basically turn them more against each other, you know, um, cause he was fucking with them mm-hmm. yeah, or she was, or he did, was, did you whatever. get that vibe too, that it was a he for some reason, it just feels like it was a he, but we know that the character is a girl. Yeah. It's that's so I said, weird. I keep I know saying that's he weird. too. You know, see, I understand with the whole, you know, the whole premise between, or, you know, fucking playing that game and screwing with them and stuff like that. Yeah, I understand it. But I don't think it was quite needed to kind of get to that, too. I think if they had better character development and they kind of led the characters lead that, you know, like one thing was said and then one person says this and then they fight amongst themselves. We don't necessarily need, you know, that, you know, the the girl to intervene and play that game. I just I felt the whole game aspect of it was just it just really took me out of it. I was like, okay, okay, And I felt it went on too long, too. I didn't you know? hate the game. I didn't love the game. I just didn't like the I, reactions that happened I just, during the I game. felt it just didn't work. And, you know, I, I felt it went on too long in the film, too. Like, I understood what they were doing, like I said, but I felt it went on too long. It was just like, okay, this and this, and just kept leading to other things. And I'm like, okay, fuck. I get it. These people fucking suck. <laughs> like, they're yeah. shitty friends. See, they're I kind of did like that stuff a little bit. I yeah. thought that what they were doing yeah, I, that's to actually each one other of the biggest problems for the film for me. 
I, I liked what they were doing to each other because that's real, man. Like people fucking do bad things to no, each no, other no. all the time. Totally. I just don't like how it was how how it was revealed. You know, it was it, it was so forced. It felt fake. It, it felt, felt fake as fake fuck. and forced though because you know you have someone asking these questions and they're forcing it out of them. I wish it had it came up more natural. You know, as they're fighting amongst themselves on Skype and it's like, holy fuck, yeah, this, this happened. This film does not know the word natural at all. Yeah, exactly, and that's that. the thing. And I think if it had it came out like that, being a little more natural within the character's conversation i think it would have been a lot more believable because shit happens right people start talking things you know like what do you say oh blah 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 but this just felt like you needed someone to like you know kind of stab in the dark and get it right out of them and i was like uh okay but you know i did like things about the film but yeah no you know. i i overall liked it like i i i did like it i just it's not an 8.5 to me at all no, no, not at all. And yeah, I was really fucking surprised after watching the film that Jeremy liked it that much. I considering called it, he, dude. I was like, Jeremy is really going to like this. Zach is going to hate it. And Moods is going to come right around where I am or less. <laughs> it's so fucking strange, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it is what it is, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's our little uh, review on Unfriended. Mm-hmm. Moods gave it a 6.5 I had also given it a 6.5 on episode 58 Tales of Halloween with Kyle yeah yeah that's right Chew. do we have any more voicemails nope that's it oh that's it for the voicemails okay I wasn't sure yeah alright once again everyone thanks for phoning in and yeah with the questions those were awesome awesome stuff so um, moving on to knowledge do we have anything for knowledge this week um, we do I, I Okay. Yep. We have what I wanted to discuss. Um, we didn't get into it earlier, but apparently, after Gunnar Hansen had died, I keep wanting to say Gunnar Nelson, even though, like it's really bugging me because uh, he's a <laughs> UFC fighter, and it's the yeah. only person I knew named Gunnar, and he's from Iceland as well, so that must be a common name. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so Gunnar Hansen had passed away and a previous Leatherface to play the character, uh, Andrew Bryanarski. Uh, he was the one who played Leatherface in the remakes had went out and said some pretty bad things. Uh, the first thing that I believe he said was boo hoo on his Facebook. Boo hoo. Yeah. Just fucking like, oh, rude. What the fuck is he alluding to? And then somebody had messaged it. There's a lot, bunch of screen caps. Some of the things he said was like, could give zero fucks, suck his dead nuts, uh, fuck you, haha, really, dude? Is that even Andrew? Suck a bag of black dicks, asshole. Is that even Andrew? And is that nuts? I mean, like, he, he, uh, you know, kind of kind of went Just off. Just scooped to the bit. lowest possible level? Yes. Like, and what the fuck, man? The first thing that I found important was that it it was getting spread around very fastly and i am one of those people who i like to make sure the sources are right so i even mentioned to moods i'm like is this really him because there's a million people who make a million fake facebooks for a million yeah, yeah. who don't have facebooks oh i questioned it at first too and like, i think it's important to question it simply because you don't want to start a rumor this is how rumors get started somebody needs to check his source reach out to an agent turns out it is the guy so uh, you know no harm yeah no the foul. 22 shots of proof and horror you know right here <laughs> yeah proven shit <laughs> but I, I i was i am one of the people where i i do want to know like is this true before we start going you know pulling out the pitchforks and torches uh so right away you got to think like oh man Mm, 
uh, what a fucking tool, right? I mean, Gunner Hansen dies. This guy's saying all these weird things. But I, I felt like this story got a little bit more interesting to me personally because I, I wanted to know why and, and some somebody actually went out there and, and found out why, which is props to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so faking cool online reached out and said, can I get a official quote? I believe. And then Andrew went on to say, I was a big supporter of his and was cool with him. He was cool with me. Then he started going around to promote chainsaw 3d. As we know, uh, Gunnar Hansen was in chainsaw 3d and he started talking shit at cons and whatnot. I'm not somebody who takes shit from anybody, and I tell it like it is. I originally posted a Facebook comment that said boo-hoo yesterday. No tag, just itself. Read into it what you will. I never wish his death or suffering from pancreatic cancer, which I didn't even know he had. Let's make that a bigger issue upon his sudden death. Cancer sucks. Worse than haters. Y'all have a nice day. So my question to you, Moods, is... Should we always say what's on our mind? Um, you know, I'm a firm believer in, you know, freedom of speech and I've been the victim. Sometimes I can be my own worst enemy. You know, you can ask my wife and my parents because uh, I do that quite a bit. I'll just say whatever's on my mind and, you know, it gets me in a little bit of trouble kind of like this instance. Um, so, you know, over the years I've learned that I think there's a time and a place for it. Um, I think social media is probably not the best thing in the world to be just spewing shit like that out because people do take things the wrong way. And, you know, he could have prevented this whole thing by just not you know, saying anything by not saying shit like that. You know, like, you know, like I'm totally for, you know, people speaking their mind, whatever. But, you know, come on, dude, like there's a time and a place, man. Yeah. And the you time know, is fucking death, you know? not right when he dies. Exactly. You don't fucking do that shit, man. Like, like I said, you know, you know we have the right to do this, but at the same time, it's, it's not right. It's not right. You know, time and a place, bud, you're a fucking asshole. It's just, you might need to consider Gunnar Hansen probably has a family. Yes. And and, and, and honestly, I'm being serious right now. Let's like, we don't know Gunnar Hansen. Like, I don't know him. He could have been the biggest dickhead in the world. This guy could be right. He could have been talking mad shit to him. Yeah. And and mad shit on his chainsaw performance and mad, you know a, a fake you know, ass dude. We don't know that. It still doesn't make it right, you know. And I, I'm sure a lot of people agree with that. I mean, you don't, you just don't talk about someone like that after they pass away. You know, have some fucking respect. Yeah, just have respect. That's Leave it at the that. thing that I was gonna say is that it, it which I'm not saying that Gunnar Hansen was like that, but let's just for the sake of argument say that it was possible. Mm-hmm. Then. Yeah, I mean, you could you could have like very bad feelings towards him, but you have to consider that Gunnar Hansen might have had a family. Gunnar Hansen might have had a son. Gunnar Hansen might have had people who care about him who don't who who are going to be hurt to see things like that. And that's what you have to consider because mm-hmm. I don't hate on somebody for calling out another person for being what they consider a bad person, but there are times that are appropriate and you have to use your you have to use literal like intelligence like not you can't be a retard dude you cannot seriously just go out there and be like 
I'm just gonna say what I want to whoever. That's just stupid. You can yeah, have yeah. you can you can speak your mind without having to come off like a dickhead, which this exactly. guy did, yeah. and it, it is messed up. I agree. Um, I I 100 agree that the dude was in the wrong, man. You don't do that. Mm. But I yeah. also don't think that it's fair to go and 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 say that. Gunnar Hansen was the greatest person of all time and you're you're an asshole because we don't know that. We don't know like mm-hmm. this guy could this could stem in truth. And although he handled it extremely poorly and he did <laughs> a stupid poorly. thing, um I, I, I don't like the idea that that um it should become like a like who's better type thing. You know, like I, like I said, you know, there, there's a time and a place for this, man. If you really had a problem with Gunnar then maybe he should have said something, you before know, he died. before he died. And, you know, um, that's the time and the place would have been in person. You know, you don't use fucking social networks and, and all that type of calling out bullshit and stuff. You know, if you have a serious problem with them, then fucking let them know. Yeah. You know, or, time and you place, know, man. like, I mean, that's the thing. I just, I find that people, it's just so fucking easy. All you do, you see so much fighting on social media and stuff nowadays and stuff. It's just, it's so ridiculous, but you know, to do it after, you know, to just say some shit like that after someone dies, it's just completely wrong. It's so disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Who cares, it's, man? It, if you had a fucking beef with them, to, keep it to yourself, you yeah. know? It's disrespectful to people who were not involved in whatever issue you had with Gunnar, now, Gunnar Hansen. Uh, like his family, right? It is yeah. disrespectful to people who should not be affected by that. They should yeah. not be affected about whatever beef you had with him. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so and, you know what? I don't know. It's just, it's just such a it's a it's a touchy subject with people. But you know, when someone dies, the short and long of this, shut your fucking mouth. Yeah, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything because it, it is gonna it, both for yourself and for the people around you because it's only gonna bring heat on yourself and it's only gonna hurt people's feelings around you. And let's let's be honest, like innocent people shouldn't have their feelings hurt. Yep, I agree. And on that note of fucking asshole people, um, <laughs> is this something that, you know, I'm going to rant about just for a minute here, if we have a minute. Okay. Um, so this was brought to my attention yesterday from Derek. Um, he, you know, so he's, he was on the general feed and saw a Code Red DVD post on Facebook. Oh, and God. He, and he posted the fucking post. He took a picture of it and put it in our message. And I, I started laughing instantly because it was ironic. It was so ironic because not like two fucking days ago, I'd said to Derek or in the chat, I said, holy shit, you guys. I said, fuck, look at this. I said, I went on to Code Red's site and I was just fucking around. And I noticed that they'd brought back international shipping. I'm like, oh, fucking I see Bill has finally, you know, come, you know, around and decided to bring it back. Because at one time he offered international shipping and he fucking freaked the fuck out one time and and then cut everyone off, you know. And, you know, this is like two days ago. I'm all stoked. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. He brought it back finally, you know, blah, blah. And then this post, this is like late last night, like 10 or 11 or whatever it was. This is the Code Red DVD post from last night. I'm going to read it word for word because, you know, because I want it to sound as retarded as it is. So, <laughs> by the way, can what is wrong? Like Jeremy says this every time, like, oh, he said retarded. When did, when did retarded come a word we can't say? I'm not using yeah I know that's the thing like I'm not calling you know someone with disabilities retarded it's just a word people <laughs> okay. are retarded 
Like, I don't know why that's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, so anyways, so Code Red DVD, this is sometime last night, and uh, it says, I received 12 packages that was emailed to non-USA back. And like I said, I'm going to read this word for word because it's retarded. <laughs> the, postage pay, uh, the postage PayPal sold me is not good enough to the post office. Also, last thing I need is six non-USA customers bothering me. It's freaking annoying that these non-USA people email me three to six times in one freaking day today. Um, they want someone to baby them, but I can't baby them. Once it leave my hands, I can't help them. <laughs> they didn't pay FedEx and Amazon prime shipping is not available for me. Customers love code red stuff and love to steal them. I have zero control over Finland mail or, or Germany or Japan or India or Canada or anywhere else. Man, Jesus Christ. Can we please get this guy on the show? As for as for today, I no longer ship outside of USA. God help me with all these freaking emails. <laughs> Store will be closed and I have to remove the overseas shipping off all the listings. Oh my God, Bill. Are you the fucking biggest idiot in the fucking world? Yes, I am calling you a fucking idiot. And I hope you hear this, by the way, too. Dude, you are a moron. You know, it's really not that fucking hard to figure out the whole postal system. You know, if you had any business savvy or any business sense, you would figure out the postage of your these PayPal um, purchases and, and so on and ship them out properly so they don't come back to you. This is very simple. Now, there's a company called Diabolic DVD. It's run out of a fucking basement of a house. You know. I've been ordering from these guys for a couple years. I usually do. I used to do like two orders a month. Now I'm not going to explain why I don't. The dollar is all shitty, blah, blah, blah. But the point, the the fact of the matter is these guys always ship out the shit and it works out. You know, it always gets here and no one ever has a problem with them. So why can't you adapt? You know, (laughs) they're business savvy to your own. I mean, you are such a moron. An idiot. See, like seriously, you know. And first of all, you know, you start, you gotta stop alienating your fucking the people that want to buy the shit off you. Non USA, non USA, non USA. You know what? That's fucking bullshit, man. I'm not gonna get on this on that huge tangent, but you know, start respecting the people that want to buy the shit off you, man. All they want to do is give you some fucking money. Do you have a problem with that? You apparently do. You like seriously, stop being an asshole. Figure out your postal system, adapt it to your website, and ship the shit out like a normal fucking business person. Seriously, it what? is annoying as shit that you have to go and rant on fucking Facebook, on social media, and you know, non sick or non fucking USA customers, blah, 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 and all this bullshit, and then take down the post fucking three hours after because everyone called you out on it. Yeah, you're a bitch. Figure uh, it out. <laughs> And fuck off. My, my thing with this is I don't think that it's a problem to not ship to Canada or, or anywhere else that's outside of the U.S. If you don't want to. That's your own prerogative. You, if you find it, it's uh, too much <laughs> of not, an annoyance not, or whatever. You can, then you can do whatever. But all you have to do is just figure out. He's saying that the postage, you know, blah, 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 is all fucked up. Then figure it out. I mean, if this was all correct and people were paying the right postage and you know when he ships out it wouldn't come back because of, of the carriers that are you know bringing it to these houses and stuff then all you got to do is figure it out man it's no, not no, that hard. I, I agree with that but he i'm could, just you can avoid all these all this fucking problems all the emails and shit if you just figure that out to start out with you know but ugh. like i hate shipping things to canada like it, it is annoying to me at, at the post office but I understand. It, it only saying, takes one minute longer. I do it, it all the time. Ninety-eight percent of the stuff that I ship out, all the stuff that I ship out is generally always to the U.S. or some other country. It takes uh, it takes me like 
a literal 10 minutes, like a, yeah, a good 10 same, minutes. But it's the same forms that I fill out that you do too. You know, that sticky thing that they put on there. It's the same thing. Yeah. But I have, you know, you have to deal with the, the post office lady who's not that bright. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that, I'm not I'm not saying that like he's right or anything. Like obviously everything he's saying is like terrible. I'm just saying that it's it's okay not to do. You don't have to ship it everywhere, yeah, but don't be I'm a not, dick about it if you're not going to. Exactly. You always have the right to do what you want to do. I'm just saying if you're going to do it, do it right. Yeah, if you're going to attempt research, don't blame other people when it goes wrong. Exactly. Dude. Don't be blaming all these other fucking people because you know what? There's people in the US that have waited you know, fucking a month and a half for their packages from him too because, you know, he's just not shipping shit out quick enough because he likes to do everything himself. It's the same It's the same thing as the people who ship a million packages and don't get tracking and then they lose all their shit and then they're like <laughs> complaining about it, right? Exactly. But, exactly. But one thing that I do want to point out in the, in the, the quote that you said was um, – he, he the way that he says like oh you know they, they i'm gonna get a million Ill emails that i can't do nothing about uh yes you fucking can dumbass yeah. it's called customer service you just have yes. to talk to them that's what you do you explain things that's what you can do for them yeah but that yeah. pissed me off actually because he was like, i know and i can't do nothing about it and what well, do you mean thing, you can't do nothing about well, it? You everything. fucking explain the situation. You talk to him. You email him back. You get right on it. You tell him what the deal is. You tell him that you're, you know, the process. And it, you, that that is part of having a business. Like you have to, you have to te like cover your bases. And if you That's can't do it, hire somebody to fucking do it. This fucking guy wants to do everything himself, and then he complains about it when he gets behind and all that type of bullshit. Like I said, if you if you want to run a legit business, ha get some help. You know, if you don't want to deal with all the emails and stuff, then hire someone to do it, and maybe that same person can ship out your packages. You know, you handle all the business part or the behind the scenes stuff, and let someone else do it. But he likes to do everything himself. Then he complains, and this is what happens. Listen, you know, if he, he would make a lot more fucking money if he would just spend some money, you know, on someone else to help out and fucking go from there. It's really really simple, man. My, it's really simple. That's what bugs me is, about this, man. I just – I the dude is obviously shady as F, dude. Like everybody it's that fucking you talk bipolar to fucking moron. I wish everybody would just stop supporting him, including you, Moods. Like I know you <laughs> want them and I know it you – It has like, nothing to do I with I feel like it's counterproductive to complain about him and then support him. Well, the thing is though, it's – I don't even look at it like I'm supporting him. It's but just some are. of the films that he releases that they're the only way to get them and it's I about know, the – I know and it sucks but yeah. you just, you're going to have to – you're going to have to deal with it. You can, I know. I know you I understand. need everything and I know that it's OCD as fuck and I know that the films that he releases are fucking awesome. And like everyone's in the same awesome. boat as this too. I hear this from a lot of people too, even when people that comment on, you know, whatever. And they're just like, man, you know, like it fucking sucks that I have to get the movies from this fucking douchebag. But unfortunately he keeps fucking snagging up some really damn good ones. And I, you know, I feel the pain, you know, it, it really does suck, man. It's that the collector and I want these films, man, but I will you know. never buy one of his films. I'll go on record and say that right now because <laughs> I don't deal with shady people. I do not do shady business. And that's the same reason why I won't buy twilight time. And I won't. I won't ever, unless it's like fifty cents somewhere. You know that. Find it for super, whatever. <laughs> I just. I, I'm just really against that stuff, dude. I can't. Yeah. I can't stand these scumbags. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean. Short and long. Bill is a scumbag, and and he's, fuck him. And he's half fucking retarded because you know. I mean, seriously, the the business sense of him is just ridiculous. <laughs> 
But enough you just of that. Surprised me with a knowledge segment of your own. Yeah, yeah, man. I I was fucking watching Housewives Cemetery last night, and he posted that, and I was like, oh. And I was gonna post on the post saying, ah, oh, I was gonna say, ha ha ha. Thanks a lot, Bill, for giving me a conversation piece for my podcast tomorrow. Be sure to check it out, Dick Face. I would love to just talk. to What before I had the chance to do it? Fucking the the thing was already gone. I was gonna do it after the movie, and then it was gone. So I don't even know if I would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how it goes. But yeah, it's my code red rant. Um, that's probably one of like 300 on this show. Yeah. And moving along in mood swings into the morbid fact. Uh, the coroner's report of weird stats and morbid facts, courtesy of Rumorg magazine. This one is coming from the issue 109, March of 2011. 2011. Yeah. Stakeland was on the cover. Remember Stakeland? Good film. I do. Yeah, um, I don't know. I just I, like I said, I've been grabbing these ones randomly, but I thought this was actually kind of funny. Uh, this made me laugh. <laughs> Oprah Winfrey. Who would have thought that we had ever mentioned her name on the show? Right. Oprah Winfrey recently confessed on on Pier, Piers Morgan's talk show that she sank into, into into depression after learning that her film Beloved had been trounced. By Bride of Chucky at the box office on its opening weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking made me uh, laugh. I'm like, oh, Bride of Chucky's taking honors here, man. Fuck yeah. I didn't even know what movie that was. <laughs> Her fucking film. I yeah, I never heard of that, but uh <laughs> But that's kind of funny. Like she announces this on a fucking, you know, a lot or like a television show that she's went into depression because Bride of Chucky, that just brought a huge smile to my face. I'm Honestly, like, I would be depressed if my film lost to Bride of Chucky as well. <laughs> Well, it could be worse, man. Could you imagine going to the box office with Cedar Chuck and it just stomped you? You're like, it's Cedar yeah, Chuck. Yeah, that might that that is when you hang it up. Yeah, I think you actually quit. Yeah, yeah. you know, just throwing the fucking towel right there. There's no way around it. It should be <laughs> mandatory. Everybody's film who came out when Cedar Chucky came out, if you lost to it, I guarantee you those guys aren't making films anymore. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that is gonna do it for mood swings and yeah. Alrighty, so getting into the featured reviews of this episode 62. And of course, if you were listening from the top of the show, you know that we are talking about Lucio Fulci's Gates of Hell trilogy. Yes, isn't that so exciting? Right? It's exciting? Yeah. <laughs> you sound so enthused. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the Gates of Hell trilogy uh, from Lucio Fulci, of course, we'll start with the first one here from 1980 is uh city of the living dead yeah from 1980 the year i was born awesome stuff so 11 years before the year i was born 11 years wow makes me sound so old (laughs) uh yeah um lucio falci of course like i've said many times my favorite director and yeah it's awesome stuff man awesome stuff so 1980 the synopsis, the short and long of it right here. A reporter and a psychic race to close the gates of hell after a suicide of a clergyman caused them to open, allowing the dead to rise from the grave. Yeah, that's pretty much a short and long of it right there. Yeah. It's not a bad, it's not a bad description because that's essentially what happens. <laughs> yeah, so. you know, uh, it, it opens up in – we're kind of in two separate towns following two separate groups at first, right? Yeah, and you know, th- this is one of the reasons why I always tell people that they should probably watch City of the Living Dead a couple times because I notice with people they kind of get a little messed up because it's the way it goes back and forth. Yep. Like 
And, so, and you, you know what? You're right, man. Because the first time I watched this movie, movie, I was very confused, and I did yeah. look at it like as if it was a negative, as as if like the storytelling just is is bad in in this film. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking that I was like my my overall expression the very first time I watched it, which was years ago, was mm-hmm. that it had good gore and good scenes, but the story was just a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like once you watch the film a couple of times, you're like, oh, okay, that totally makes sense. It's just the way it's edited, though, too, right? It's yeah. you know, it, the film starts out, and of course, it is uh, uh, this priest, and he, you know, he hangs himself in uh, in the town of Dunwich, um, you know, in Dunwich, which is like Salem, you know, where the witch murders and stuff happened. Anyways, he hangs himself in the town of Dunwich, and it cuts over to New York where you get introduced to your main characters and that's where it kind of keeps going back and forth. Like it's showing what's going on in New York with, uh, with the psychic over there and Christopher George's character and stuff like that. And it keeps kind of cutting back to, to Dunwich and it, it kind of goes back and forth until of course, uh, Christopher George's character, which he is a journalist teams up with the psychic to go and investigate and go and solve, you know, this gates of, um, of gates of hell thing. And, you know, and it takes a little bit of time to get over to Dunwich and it keeps kind of going back and forth in the film. And I can see where people totally get a little mixed up of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I was when I was watching the film, I'm like, I hope GP's not getting confused here. <laughs> what's going on? Because I've seen the film a lot of times. And, you know, I'll admit the first time I watched this film, I was probably confused. You know? Yeah. Okay, what um, the fuck is it? Because of the way it's edited, too, because it starts following, you know, other characters in Dunwich you know, kind of like the secondary characters and you're like, okay, are these in New York or is this in Dunwich? Like what's going on here? Right. So, but so your thoughts on this one? Uh, I, first of all, I, I love the opening. Just going to throw that out there. Oh you know? God, the opening is so good, man. Yeah. I love, I love atmosphere, right? I mean, we talk about that a lot. That's, that's huge for us. That's one thing that Fulci is so amazing at is creating not only an atmospheric, you know, setting, uh, he's like creating that tone right away, but it's, mm-hmm. he, he manages to create this weird atmosphere. That's almost dreamlike. And it's like, it's strange. Cause it kind of like engulfs you right into the film. Mm-hmm. You're like, fuck man, this if, is really, to me, really it's cool. It's a little phantasm esque. I kind of yeah. get the same vibe that I do from Coscarelli. Yeah, it is. It's really interesting how he manages to accomplish that in like so many of his films. But yeah, the opening scene's amazing. Like just really, really good stuff. Um, the eyes like i i remember seeing like the preacher's like eyes like i don't know they put like like makeup to make him look like like his face the little pink like in the uh, eyelid area it just looks great it's just like nasty i don't know it's like uncomfortable or something mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. faulty with his eyes man you probably noticed that like all the films he all yes he, he has things with eyes man like he loves to fucking mutilate and fuck up eyes or just have like really cool visuals with eyes like he loves eyes <laughs> the master of eye horror. Yeah, man, completely. And you know, it's interesting too, cause I've stated many times that, you know, scenes with eyes always make me cringe. Maybe that's why I love Fulci so much, man. Cause he does it so well. Yeah. And I, really, I mean, really well. I think of zombie obviously, but yeah. I also, I haven't even got the New York Ripper yet, which I hear has a good eye scene. <laughs> I know he just, he incorporates those type of scenes so well into all his films. It's great. Yeah, it is. It is. It totally is great. Uh, man, dude, I'll, I'll tell you what, like the one scene in this film, I think it's like the highlight scene is, uh, the two in the car and the girl starts bleeding from the eyes, which one looks freaky and yeah. two, she starts vomiting her, her insides, stomach, her, her basically your stomach her intestines yeah. and stuff. And 
I remember that's this thing that always stuck out to me as I seen this film early on, and mm-hmm. I watched it th- this week. I've I watched the first thirty minutes, much like the bird with the crystal plumage. I watched the first thirty minutes of this film like four times this week. You know, the first <laughs> like 40, 30 minutes or something like that. So yeah. I've seen that scene a couple times. It wasn't until many times into it when I realized that the stuff coming out of the mouth was coming out of like a prop. Like it was a fake face. Like you can see in the teeth. You're yeah. so focused on the disturbing imagery of the gore that you don't even notice that. I never mm. noticed it until just the, like the last time I watched it, <clears throat> which is so impressive to me. Mm-hmm. You like that scene? <laughs> yeah, dude. That scene has always grossed me out too. It's like the one thing about Fulci gore, you probably noticed in all the films. Um, we'll get to House by the Cemetery in a minute, but – uh, he just always manages to to capture that type of gore that just really makes you gag a little bit. Maybe it's the way it's presented to you. You know, obviously her puking out her entire guts, but it just looks fucking nasty. Dude, that scene has <laughs> always nasty, stuck man. out in my memory. It's just yeah. a dist- like for some reason the guts and the yeah. I just like, love it how looks much so real. It's it what does, I would picture it looking like if that really happened. Like the it's one thing scary. I like. Scary. The one thing I love about that scene is that it just keeps coming out. It's like, oh, my God, dude, are you going to stop this scene? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just keeps going. It's great, man. Fucking so awesome. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll start reading from the beginning. You know, uh, you know, this movie has, you know, one obvious huge plot hole in the film that, you know, for me, it's not really the biggest thing in the world. It is what it is. But it's like, you know it's not really explained exactly why or how, you know, when the clergyman or the priest hangs himself, how he opens up the gates of hell, you know, yeah, see, I never, I honestly got to be honest. Like I didn't even think of that as a big plot hole <laughs> because it's, it's the same. It's magic logic, right? It's, it's exactly God logic. It's, it's just one thing it's I, I've somebody heard did some, some yeah. high, high, like standard in the eyes of mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. did something terrible. Yeah. And fuck, exactly. dude, that's, I mean, that makes sense to me. <laughs> and that's the thing. And, the, and that's how I see it. I just kind of disconnect myself and I kind of look at it like, you know, this guy was a man of God and he did something, you know, like a sin, you know, like obviously one of the killing yourself. Sins. Yeah. You're like, you're not supposed to kill but yourself. But he also that, did it in a place of extreme exactly. history. Of, exactly. Of, and that, yeah. that's exactly how I see it too. And a lot of people have that problem. They're like, Hey, it makes no sense. Like this whole movie is based around a huge plot hole you know it's like how did he open up the gates it's like well it doesn't really matter you just kind of take for what it is and you, you make up your own ideas like yeah there, here's a guy that you're supposed or he's not supposed to be killing himself especially in the sacred place maybe that's what caused it you know that's good enough for me yeah no that to me honestly right? it's it makes perfect sense in terms of like yeah it just doesn't matter at that point you got a enough there it, it's believable enough right i mean it's mm. it's the same thing as like, well, how did the zo- how how did the zombies come about in Night of the Living Dead? It's like, yeah. well, it just happened. That's not important. That's not a plot hole to me. A plot hole is when there's something that literally just does not make sense. Mm-hmm. It's magic logic. It's nightmare logic. Yeah. It makes sense. It's it. It makes and sense. You know, if it, it doesn't. I, I, it's hard to explain, but I, I'm. And totally that type of thing it. makes sense too for the tone, like you know this the type the type of film it is. You know, it's a very kind of dreamlike you know film. Right, so something like that, you just—it's so easy to overlook. Yeah, I'm, you know, just, I'm it, is, it is what it is. The gates of hell are open, and you know me—I'm you know, this... very—I'm very serious when it comes to plot holes. I, I consider them mm-hmm. heavily when I talk about negatives. I do not see that as a negative. 
Yeah, I don't either. And like I said, the only reason why I brought it up is because some people do focus on that. Like the whole movie doesn't make sense. And I'm like, it, whatever, you know, um, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, with the Mary character too, you know, exactly, you know, she's a psychic and stuff. And then, you know, the whole scene where they're doing, you know, their seance or w- doing whatever. And then she sees what's going on. You know, she kind of sees where the gates of hell open up and she apparently dies of fright. You know, and you could look at those as like, how the fuck is that even happening? You know, kind of thing. But she's psychic. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, that's another one of those things. It's like, well, you're messing with like hell and like magic and dimensions and, you know, just different Mm -hmm. things. It's like, well, none of that stuff is explainable. It just Mm -hmm. stuff happens. It's when you have something, what it is, and this is how I've always looked at it. Set up your rules for your film. And follow yeah. those rules. When you start breaking your own rules, that's when it becomes plot holes. If you're setting your film in the regular, everyday, normal world in which no crazy shit happens and you start having rats flat, fall, fall out of the sky, yeah, that's a fucking plot hole because it makes no sense. But when you're yeah. talking about a film that's set on this, uh, the original ruins of, of Salem and there's all this yeah. history and, and, and the hell – like yeah what fucking hell is scary and random shit happens in it so it it makes sense to the story so it's not betraying anything yeah it totally makes sense you know like you know setting in dunwich and you know where the the salem witches were burned and stuff like that you know the movie doesn't have anything to do with that it's just the you know it's just there was this it has this history so it's a good setting and that's what i really like it's like the poltergeist right yeah they kind of use burial ground exactly it's like a really historic burial ground and stuff so of course you know something might happen it's the gates of hell they had some major tragedy there yeah you know it makes total sense to me um one thing i love about this film and i I love the cast in this film too you know rest in peace to christopher george man he was just such a great actor i I always love him in everything he just has that kind of you know he just has that approach you know to all of his characters he's very similar in like pretty much every movie (laughs) but yeah i actually like him a lot as well yeah, he's just a likable fucking person in films. And, you know, he died, what, a couple years after this or something like that. But, uh, you know, always liked him, man. He, he does he does a good job in this film. I remember the first time I watched this film, I was surprised exactly, you know, his uh, the result of his character. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not to give any spoilers away, but I was always surprised of how that went down. You know, this just kind of shocked me a little bit. But Now, I will say, but, Moods, because we were talking a little bit about uh, plot holes and stuff. And... Though I'm not on board with the complaints of like this doesn't make sense and that doesn't make sense in those mm-hmm. specifics that we talked about, I do feel like the overall storytelling is a little hard to follow. Uh, there's not a lot of explanation. There's just things happening. I, I I kind of feel like this film and maybe even the others that we're going to talk about are individual scenes. It's, it's yeah. not really a cohesive flowing narrative. It's just like this happened, then this happened, mm-hmm. then this is happening, mm-hmm. now this is happening. And it's it's and kind of a weird dynamic. I'm not going to say I hate it, but I do feel like these films definitely will benefit with multiple watches. Because the other two, you know, just to get a little ahead of myself, um, I, I did have a little bit of a, a confusion type thing going on. That This one well, I was able I to can, follow a little bit more. I might, I might be able to clear it up with uh, the Beyond and, and um, House by the Cemetery also. Um, yeah, you know, this film definitely, yeah, there's a lot. Of, I, I think what is happening in this film that confuses a lot of people is that, yeah, the scenes do the scenes do feel very individual and why these certain things are happening. Like, why are bodies all of a sudden showing up at houses and, you know, attacking these people and, you know, things like that? Yeah. 
Um, you know, the weird thing, the thing is for me with these type of films is that, yeah, you know, I don't watch, um, and th- these aren't excuses either. You know, um, I love Italian films and I don't watch these type of films for, you know, the, the fully perfect structured narrative. You know, it's not really about that for me. Like I understand that, you know, that's, that's a big thing in other types of films and whatever. <laughs> I watch these films because I watch it for, you know, the visuals and, you know, the awesome soundtracks and, you know, the atmosphere and the tone and the gore, like pretty much all the other elements, you know, the story, to, if the, if there is a structured, well-told story in these films, that's a plus. But for me, it's not really the biggest thing. It's just the overall product is everything that I'm looking for in, in an Italian film. Right. And, you know, I will be the first to admit, you know, Fulci's, you know, stories are, you know, the narratives are a little muffled for sure. There's things that are happening in this film that really don't make sense at all. And will give you that, you know, overall feel that these scenes are just kind of, okay, let's shoot this. Let's shoot this. Let's put it together. You know, these people are getting killed off and then and then we'll shoot this really, really bizarre third act scene in this crazy, crazy tomb that turns into like this whole underground lair, you know, things like that. Right. (laughs) You know, like, I mean, that that scene always confused me. I'm like, holy fuck, like they climbed into this tomb and it just seems like it's a whole world underneath there, you know, kind of thing. Right. You know, but at the same time, I really do disconnect myself from, you know, the fact that this is, you know, it is a mumbled fucking story, but the movie is so fucking entertaining and so visually amazing. It's just it's everything that I personally look for in a film. And, you know, these type of films I always found are hard to rate because I, if you're looking for a structured narrative in an Italian film, you might want to go. I mean, and I'm not saying this for all Italian films, like there is in giallos and things like that, but these type of films, they generally don't have the strongest narratives. And I think if you know that going in, you can respect it and just kind of take it for what it is a little, a little more. Does that make a lot of sense? It it does make sense. Uh, And it also depends on, there's a lot of wind going on right now, by the way. Yeah, I, I was actually going to say, yeah, holy shit, uh, did the building just blow across the street? <laughs> yeah. I think a trash can just went rolling down the street like a big metal one. Um, so I, I do understand what you're saying, and I, I think it does matter how you factor in things, um, mm-hmm. how you do your ratings. I personally do factor in uh, the – you know, storytelling and things like that. It is kind of a big deal to me, but I also am aware of the style over substance type of film, which I would say that this is, uh, there's, there's not a lot, there's not even a lot of dialogue in terms of hundred percent. That that's the other thing that I did forget. You know, it's, you watch like for me, I watch Italian films for that style, you know, and Fulci definitely has a very distinctive style, doesn't he? Yeah, you know, all the films sure. are very similar in storytelling. You know, I mean, a lot of people seem to get very confused by House by the Cemetery. But to be honest, I think that's the easiest I one to follow. Totally I totally agree. I, I think I think so it's too. so weird. <laughs> but anyways, like, you know, the thing is, but you did say it off the top and these films do benefit from multiple watchings. The first time I watched Gates from the Hell, Gates, the Gates of Hell, um, City of Living Dead. Um, I, uh, I probably would have rated a lot lower because I think I was confused as shit, <laughs> you know, and then watching a couple of times, I'm like, oh, this is the way the story is, you know, and I'm like, oh, fuck, okay, that totally makes sense. And you start to appreciate a little bit more. It's just a different type of filmmaking. It's very style, yeah. very stylized. I try to, de- I debate my- with myself all the time of should I rate a film with these uh, asterisks, like this is an Italian film or this is a style over substance film, or should I just look at every film as it's a film and and debate on what I want to take points from and give points to. I don't know. I don't know. I think I do some kind of combination of that. But I will say that when 
I, when I see scenes and they stick out in my memory and they stick out and it, like I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, this is a, this is a great scene. This is like this is awesome. This is this is scary. Uh, this is this is horror. I I mean, I'm gonna give that high marks. And mm-hmm. I'm some people might consider me to be contradictory when I take points away from films. Uh, because of flaws in story, but you got to realize that sometimes the other stuff is so much better that it mm-hmm. kind of balances yeah. it out. And I think that's exactly. the case with uh, City of the Living Dead is that there's these scenes that just get under my skin, or uh, get they 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 put me in this in this like phantasm esque feel, this vibe where I'm like I'm just kind of engulfed in what I'm seeing, and it's almost to where I'm not even thinking. It's like I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just letting myself float as this film goes on. And I'm just wa- I'm just looking at things happening, and I'm not really thinking about things. And it's 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 kind of a hard thing to explain or to kind of show to somebody who maybe doesn't uh, like. I would never be able to show this film to somebody my age who likes you know movies that are in the theater. Like they just would mm-hmm. never get anything. They would think it's like the worst movie ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what are your overall thoughts on the film? I mean, it, it, these films are a little harder to talk about because, you know, there's just a lot of specific scenes. And it's not a whole lot of story. Want... There's just like, you can talk that... about scenes. You can dissect scenes like. Yeah. Well, we could talk about, you know, Fulci's style. You know, you notice right away, like, you know, what he created in City of the Living Dead. He definitely, you know, carried on through the Beyond and House by the Cemetery, which were all made within like a two year period, which kind of makes sense. Right. And they have very similar feels too, of course, with um, the main actress, uh, Catherine, whatever. She's in all three of the films. I did not know that. Yeah, she's in. She's the main character in all three films. That's great. And uh, but you know, like right away, you notice things about Fulci's style. Like he really likes to have, you know, his transitions. Like he likes to focus on houses and you know certain stills, and you know, kind of focus on and take. So it lets the viewer take in the atmosphere, and you know that scenery, that style that he's trying to portray to you, and he does it so well. Like he, you know, there's he always has these really creepy house shots and cemetery shots, and are just full of fucking smoke and perfect lighting and. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. That's one thing about this film that I can just watch over and over again. It's sh- it's really well, you know, like shot. He does a really good job of really kind of taking the time to do these shots and stuff. Just the little things that I notice and stuff. But I, the, the, the one thing I love love about Fulci in this film is that he creates pure terror. I mean, for fuck's sakes, man. When uh, when Mary, um, is that what her name is? Yeah, when Mary when Mary wakes up in the um, in the coffin. Oh, dude, that is such a that great whole, scene. That's an actual scary moment. Dude, my favorite thing about that whole scene is the fact that like he's walking away with the gravediggers, uh, with the cemetery workers, and he kind of hears something, and he's like, "What the fuck is that?" And the wind's blowing, and this perfect setup too, man. You know, he's his ability to hear what's going on in that casket is definitely overshadowed by this really treacherous winds that are happening. And then he kind of hears something, he stops, he's like, "Okay, whatever." You know, it can't be somebody, you know, screaming for their life inside the ground. And then he kind of moves forward again, and then he hears it again. And it's fucking terrifying because you know that she's come alive in there and you're like, what the fuck, right? And I just – I love the way the whole scene I, is I, shot. It's just – it's terror, man. It's fucking scary. It's real horror filmmaking. I did laugh at one point because there was a certain point where I felt like, okay, he definitely heard her that time. And it's like, what? He's still in here? What the hell? You know? <laughs> but then again, wouldn't you question that though too? Because honestly, you think you're going a little I insane. would question you know, it. You'd be like – but I'd be like, I definitely didn't He does drop a line of dialogue that. where he said that somebody had told him that that would happen. So 
I kind of feel yeah. like you might be a little more inclined to be like, oh shit, could it, could it really? I do, <laughs> I do think that I would question myself because I'm like, I can't be hearing this, man. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let this, you know, fuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but I just love the way he gets her out there. He's just that like, to it's, me made it's a, that extreme. was just I don't know I that was like that's just crazy. And Fauci did another <laughs> no, scene like that in House by the so Cemetery sweet. that I like. Exactly. Um, it's exactly. It, it definitely adds a lot of uh, tension and suspense and build up. Like I love that and and like dude, that is a scary thought being buried alive and the nails on the the, the coffin. It, like I love that scene. That is one of my favorite scenes in the whole film, um, for yeah. sure, absolutely. And, you know, I love I, I, what you were saying earlier about like the shots. I think that everything that you were talking about, what I think that it is and the reason that I think that it's good is none of it really feels real. It feels like an exaggerated mm-hmm. world, which in turn feels like how you would picture it in a nightmare. Like you would picture all that extra fog and you would picture and it's unsettling and it, and it makes it feel mm-hmm. more scary because it's, it doesn't look like any of those elements could come together and something could look like that in reality. But you know that when you picture something scary in your head, that's what it mm-hmm. looks like. So to see it play out in, in a real world setting is like this is a horror movie. This is what horror movie is about yeah. and I, I like that. Yeah. And as much shit as I give – uh, two films not being horror films anymore. I, I can say that, like as s- individual scenes, this is horror at its finest in all three of these movies. All three of these movies have individual horror scenes at the finest, like scary stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I, I I completely agree. You know, and it, it's one of those things too. It's like you know, the film takes place in in Dunwich, where you know these horrific things have happened and stuff, and you know it just kind of makes sense that the the visuals would be so dreamlike, so nightmarish, you know, because you know those things are just kind of hard to believe in themselves, you know. So I I think that like, the visuals go perfect with the setting, you know, like it's just kind of it's so over, it's not over stylized, but it's just it's so extreme. Definitely not over stylized. No, definitely not. But it's just it's such an amazing thing to watch, uh, and yeah, it's it's just really. I, awesome, I just so. love. Fauci's fascination with gore as well and and maggots yeah dude i know isn't it like oh fuck man maggots and millworms and i know like his use of maggots just gross was this the one where they came flying through the window (coughs) no okay um but holy shit like you got to be kidding me man like no no that that isn't city living it is yeah yeah, I, yeah, I'm sorry. Like I said, I did watch them all three back to back to back. So they, you know, there it is possible for scenes to get a little mixed up for me. But yeah, dude, yeah, that the, when was they come flying into disgusting, that, yeah. and it's like, it's just like it's nightmarish. Like that is what nightmares mm-hmm. are made of. I love that type of horror. Yeah, man. You know, that's a perfect example of like, okay, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it doesn't even fucking matter because it's just so. Nasty. It doesn't. It doesn't. Ugh. If you like films like Phantasm. You'll like stuff like this. There's a difference between like imaginative what the hell is happening and plot hole what the hell is happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean they give you some things in the film though too. It's like you know basically Mary and you know Christopher George's character they have to go here you know to you know close the the gates of hell before or I mean they have to you know solve this before um, All Saints Night starts. So basically they have until like 12 o'clock or whatever right? Yeah. 
So they kind of give you that in the storyline and stuff too. I, I mean, you know, I, mean, I guess that makes there. sense, right? Yeah, you know, like a little bit. So, you know, they kind of give you that and stuff. But, you know, again, <laughs> again, it's like, you know, you just take it for like what this, he so. like, what does it like? What does it really mean? Like, there's not there's, they don't create like a, a million like roles like they, there really isn't a lot of structure to what that actually means. Like what? OK, All Saints Day, what, you know, but it, I don't think it's 100 percent necessary because, like I said, it's, it's like a nightmare. It's like hell. Mm hmm. The one thing about this film that, you know, that I've always thought to myself is that the uh, the effects in this film are just so unforgiving. You know, like we talked about the gore and stuff, but like they're just he just holds nothing back. He just gives it fucking full tilt in this film. And that's what I love about like that drill scene. Like and and that th- that's what I was leading into, you know. Again, with uh, certain things in the film that don't really make a lot of sense, like people are getting killed off by these other people that are, you know, these zombieish characters and stuff. Um, but you know, it's funny because you know, like the gates of hell, you know, the the people that are coming through and stuff, they're not necessarily like like what would you classify them as? This has always been a question. Like people think of this film as like a zombie film, but you know, traditionally we we associate zombies with you know you know, the dead coming back to life and basically chowing down on the living and stuff. And in these films, they more or less just kill. I don't know, man. Like I, right? I they, thought they're not this, actually... and I feel like they're different in the films, mm-hmm. but I was kind of wondering that too. Cause like, it's just like, it's See, a my, presence my take or something. Is, I don't know, man. It's hell. My take is, my take is, you know, this is one of the seven gates of hell. Right. And what the, the dead's job is to do is to kill. Because the dead are trying to take over the world. They don't need the living there. So what their job is just to kill. You know, if you take like a regular zombie film and their zombies are when they're resurrected, their job is just to feed themselves. Right. So that is what their goal is. I think with, you know, with these people coming out of the gates of hell and stuff, and it's a little more prevalent in the beyond, too. Right. And I think that's what they're doing. They're just yeah. they're just there to kill, you know, just kind of just feed themselves, you know, that way. Yeah. There's not a big mythology to like the gates of hell that I was actually, um, maybe would have liked to see because it is an interesting concept, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like I always people, I always hear people say, you know, you know, city living dead is a great zombie film. And I'm like, man, you really think they're zombies? Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's open for interpretation, right? Depending on what your meaning of a zombie is. It's like in that world, like it's zombie ish. hundred percent. 100%. 100%. I just thought I'd bring it up because it, it's always a yeah. conversation piece. You know, it's like, eh, I don't really know. You know, like people say with that with The Beyond, like The Beyond's not a zombie film, you know. But, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. What else What else do you want to talk about the film? Uh, we could get into ratings if you'd like. If you want to, sure. I mean, I just don't want to sit here and give scene after yeah, scene Yeah, yeah, no. We, scene. I mean, dude, we discussed what we like and didn't like, you know. I think we yep. did a fair job. These films are a little harder to talk about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, well, actually, one thing we didn't touch on it, like, okay, I know, like, the, you're kind of pretty much kind of viewing these things for, like, the first time, we'll just say, mm-hmm. right? Not really, but, you know, you know, like, seriously. Um, like, with the dubbing and stuff like that, was it a no, problem for that, you? No, it never is, man. It, it never is unless it's super cheesy, like, bad films. Like, Honestly, mm-hmm. like dubbing does not bother me. I don't really. Okay. We'll get in. We'll get into some bad dubbing when we get to House by the Cemetery. But um, there was also a reason behind. There, there's some kind of weird thing. You'll probably notice that with both the kids in the film. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, 
But uh, yeah, this one right here, man, like I've heard people say, oh man, the dubbing. I'm like, man, it's not really that bad. You know, it's their voices. They just go in and dub them over. Yeah. You know, it's just what they did in Italian filmmaking and stuff. But, but yeah, I don't know. Okay. Ratings, you go first. Uh, eight out of 10. I really like the atmosphere and I really like the overall just gore and it's like a nightmare. Individual scenes are horror scenes. It's scary. I like stuff like that. Obviously, it does have a little lacking in the department of the storytelling, maybe some of the editing, stuff like that, uh, the way that the story unfolds. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's a style over substance, great score. I mean, the atmosphere and score, the fog, like it works so well together that, that it, I, I really liked it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said before, you know, I watch these type of films, you know, not for their, uh, you know, because of their deep and, you know, unique style to them. You know, like Italian films, like a lot of these type of films, they have this unique style to them. And that's what separates the Italian genre, you know, or Italian filmmaking from like the rest of the world. Like a lot of different places have their own type of style. But Italians are just very specific, it seems like to me. And I watch these films like the, you know, the overall in-depth narrative or extreme plot lines or, you know, even the substance of these films. I like things like, you know, um, you know, pretty minor storyline. I mean, you know, like I said before, if you get a major awesome storyline out of one of these films, it's pretty awesome too. But, you know, it's more about the visuals and the style of these type of films with me and stuff like that. And it's just, I find these films aesthetically the most interesting films to watch because they're just so dreamlike and just horrific. This when I watch these type of films, this is it, it feels like I'm watching a bona fide horror film. You know, I feel good about that, mm-hmm. and that's what I really like about these type of films. It just makes me feel like shit, man. This is real fucking horror. Great gore, just awesome fucking sets, scenes. You know, it's, it's settings, tempting everything. to scare. It really is. Exact. It really is, and you know, and uh, there's multiple scenes in this film, man. You know, like right down to the end of the film, which it's ba- we didn't get into. Horror filmmakers don't really do this anymore, where they're actually trying to scare you. It just doesn't happen. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Um. So, you know, with all those things said, man, this is, you know, one of the, one of the films that it's just like, it's just, it's so great to me. And I give it a nine and a half, the 10. Nine and a half. So, you know what, you know, what's interesting about this film that we didn't get into because we didn't really talk about the end of the film too much, but there's a lot of things happening in the end of the film that are just so strange. So strange, like exactly how they fix the problem yeah, and things like that. But there's the very last shot in City of the Living Dead that is so fucking strange. I don't really very, I'm not, I was going to ask you after the show about that actually. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that after. It's um it's really really strange and it's baff honestly it's baffled people for years. Okay. Okay. So don't feel okay. bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's something I thought about and I was like looking online and I was like noticing other people were saying the same thing like what the fuck man. I'm like, "Oh, okay, I'm not the only one." Okay. okay. Right on. <laughs> but yeah. Um but yeah, moving along to uh the beyond which is the second part of the gates of hell trilogy from uh of course 1981 the my favorite year in horror films uh you guys might remember i did a whole series based on this year <laughs> but yeah the beyond of course again starring uh I, i'll just say like her american and Catherine mccall Catherine mccall stories as liza in this film and yeah the uh synopsis of this a young woman inherits an old hotel in Louisiana where after a series of supernatural accidents, she learns that the building was built over one of the entrances to hell. So 
So basically what we have here is, you know, very similar to City of Living Dead, but just in a different location with a different premise a little bit. You know, no suicide involved here, but it's built over, you know, a place where. But something tragic did happen there. Just something something tragic did happen there. Yeah. Um, You know, I think that in the beginning of the film, I think he was translated as a he was like a warlock, right? Yeah, uh, it was a painter. Uh, yeah. angry pitchfork torch uh, <laughs> townspeople uh, come and accuse somebody of being a warlock, which is essentially witchcraft, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. So the, the backstory takes place in 1930s, and they actually, he shot it in black and white. Um, and yeah, the beginning of the film just shows uh, a bunch of, like, lynchmen, you know, in a sense. They uh, they capture this guy and they, they basically, you know, uh, peg him up on the wall and they kill him. Was it me or did the black and white have like a weird tint to it? Yeah, I know that tint's really interesting. It's really interesting. Um, I believe that there's another opening shot sequence, like a German version of it too. It's like completely different. I think it's actually in color. Hmm. So, which is strange. But yeah, I, I really like that tint actually. It's not like full black and white, but it has like this, that old school kind of like greenish tint to it. Yeah. Like brownish tint. It's really strange. I don't know. I kind of like that though, but yeah. So the backstory starts in the 1930s. This guy gets killed there, and yeah. So this is another one they, where I felt a little confused in it. Uh, probably out of all of them, this this is the one where I was most confused. Uh, it's also mm-hmm. one where I just felt like uh, it's a lot of individual scenes. Um. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely things happening in this film that. Um, aren't explained especially the one scene that that always gets brought up is the scene where um the wife comes to the uh basically the autopsy room i guess you want to call it or whatever and she's you know putting her or she's putting or yeah putting clothes onto her husband that just got killed and stuff and like all of a sudden the you know bodies and stuff start coming alive (laughs) like that whole scene is like the strangest scene in the film but that happens a couple times in the film right like exactly how these people are you know how these things are coming alive and things like that it's really strange but that scene's actually shot very strange too like if you watch where um the the wife she's on she's on one side of her husband and when the little girl comes into the room you know she looks over and her her mom is basically laying underneath this like sulfuric acid like on the opposite side mm-hmm. <laughs> but it doesn't really doesn't really explain how she got over there yeah I you was... know that whole <laughs> that that scene is very strange, but yeah, I feel you with the end of um, you know the individual scenes in this film and stuff like that, and like why things are happening. I think it's just another case. It's just another one of those cases of you know the gates of hell have opened up something, uh, or the gates of hell have been opened up and death is taking over. I think that's really the only way you can explain it because it's kind of similar to you know City of Living Dead in my sense. I mean. Or you can just say it just plain out doesn't make sense why these certain things are happening. I, I think this one has a little bit – it's a little bit more than City of the Living Dead in terms of just um, like the problems with, with some of the things – some of the scenes were showed, shown. I, I, think that, I think that there is a little bit more problems with those. But uh, at the end of the day, like I still am not bent out of shape about it. I still do feel like the mythology of okay, the, what's Okay, what – what specific scenes are you talking like about? Like the one you just like, mentioned. Did you have in mind? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That one always gets brought up because it is, it, it's a very odd scene. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it it is, it is kind of weird because I I almost feel like the, like so if the gates of hell like this one like in the fr- 
<laughs> this is fucked up. In City of the Living Dead, in this town of Dunwich, like, the gates of hell are open and things are happening in this town. And this one, like, I thought it was secluded to the house, but it's, it's like, not. But why is it happening yeah. now? Oh, like, like, oh, I, I think it's because basically what happens is, you know, she, I think, <laughs> I you see, I know th- this is a hard one to explain because um, I think what happens is, you know, the gates of the gate of hell or that one gate, you know, of course, underneath this place was closed until she took over because this place had been abandoned. Okay, for like so it's ever, right? one of those things where like people are messing around, like uh, bringing up old spirits type thing. Exactly. So basically what happens is this hotel has been abandoned for a long fucking time and the gates shut. So she she takes over the 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 place and she wants to fix it up because she actually wants to reopen this place and stuff like that. so what she does she kind of stirs it up and opens up the gate somehow probably by people working in the house maybe joe the plumber who goes down in the basement and finds you know some shit that he doesn't want to find down there and then ends up getting taken out himself um oh, but yeah there so actually maybe, is a maybe, scene where like there's there's markings on the wall so yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that and that's when Joe the plumber's downstairs and he sees the marketing. Yep. The Good enough for me. The marketing, <laughs> right? And so and that, it, but that's when everything really starts happening. Yeah, no, no, no. It, you know, it, it's weird, it, it's weird it's, at that moment. It's plausible enough, right? That's that's good enough. Yeah. I, I feel like that explains a little bit. Um, it's the whole thing of her taking over yeah. and just she kind of stirs it up and something happens and then and you know I can see where people are coming from. It's like well, so they open up the gate. You think you know things would just happen around the house and things like that. But no, you know, it's right out into the city, you know, obviously at the hospital, some crazy shit happens there and a few scenes there and, you know, things like that. But, you know, it's expected, you know, the, the dead are coming out into the world to, to get more death. That's what they're By doing. The way, they need, they need more death. That's their goal is to kill off the world so they can take over the world. And we'll talk about the ending too. Um, well, when, when we get there and stuff, but by, by the yeah. way, the, like whenever you hear about like horror movies and like, yeah, don't go in the creepy basement. Like this basement is on another level of fuck. I know. Right. <laughs> Aren't the sets like the settings of this film just so awesome. Yeah. But it's just like, I, I'm like, this is fucked up. Don't go. Like, I don't even want to be in there ever. I'm never going to hang out down there. I know, man, like going downstairs and seeing all that water, there's no fucking chance of be walking around in that shit. Man. I know. It's rough. It's just filthy. It's gross. He always manages to create these awesome, that like, is, really kind of nasty scenes. That is one of the best ever. I know, right? It's so wicked. Uh, so, you know, what did you think about the gore in this one? Like, there, there's some more eye scenes yeah, in this one. Is. Just nasty. Like, of course, with Joe the plumber uh, in the basement the there. Like, there's a really nasty man. scene. Uh, the spiders yeah man oh Great. dude isn't, isn't that scene crazy yeah when you really think about it like those real big spiders on that face and just fucking and he like i said Fulci's so unforgiving with the scenes because he doesn't just like you know have like a 10 second scene he that kind of goes on for like a couple well, yeah, of minutes it's it it's just he really gets under like your skin when you're watching it. where it's like they sh- they, <sighs> sh- they show to kill and then it's over like they hold on it in these films. It's it. Fauci is not afraid of spending time, and I noticed that most in the Beyond because even once the zombies come around, like we talk about slow zombies, like these are like impending death creeping up on you. It's insane, yeah. and it works so well though because for some reason in my head, like I'm not like, hey, 
run or something, you know, like it, in my head, I believe that there's like one here, like that it's just like this death that's coming at you and, and yeah, sure you can run or whatever, but I feel like it's, it's not going to like let you go anyway. Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. I, I feel like this is some of the best, like slow horror that I've ever seen in terms of, um, like I think of the, the the big scenes towards the end of the film where they're they're really starting to pop up everywhere. Like it's scary, dude. Like it actually like creeped me out. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Isn't it amazing how we can spend so much time on those type of scenes but never slow down the progression of the film? It kind of yeah, seems to always have that same type of pace. Feel slow to me. Like the film does. It, I wouldn't consider no. this a slow burn. But but he no, spends no. probably more time than anybody on. On yeah, these but it's amazing and these... it, it really is amazing how he can do that though right like you know have those long scenes and still just maintain I think that the music whole helps kind of speed inc- incredibly at making it not seem stupid yeah yeah fabio frizzy's uh um fabio frizzy did the uh the music for all three of these films and that's something i didn't say you know in city of living dead but the score for city of living dead is just beyond <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just fucking ridiculously good like the music the music cues in that are just so awesome every time the music would kick in even when i was watching it uh, a couple days ago it was giving me goosebumps like, i fucking love the soundtrack so much and he does the same thing in this film the score for the beyond is just amazing like you have the cd in that uh in that edition that you yeah, have grindhouse. by grindhouse like you can listen to that shit and like when you listen to it just on its own you're like you just start visualizing the film it gets so you get so into it. It's fucking crazy, man. The music cues in this film are awesome. Really, really good stuff. It fits perfect. So, one of my favorite things actually about these movies is the music. To be honest, yeah. But the Absolutely. the deaths, man. Back to the deaths. They are brutal, and they 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 mm-hmm. show them and they stay on them and they stay on them even longer than than you would think they would stay on them. And even when you're yeah. completely done and uncomfortable, they still stay on them. <laughs> like I love that, man. I know just everything in this film is nasty. Like, you know, the bodies that emerge, the the body that emerges from the, uh, the water, like just the look of it. Oh yeah. Like, you dude, just, that nasty just spend so much water. time on nasty, nasty water, nasty body. Like he has a couple different eye scenes in this one. Like there's the one in the bathroom mm-hmm. where, the, where the eye gets popped out. Oh fuck. Dude. Oh, where, where it's <laughs> like, like slowly backing into that nail out of sticking out of the wall. <laughs> I love that scene, dude. Dude, like he just has this thing where he just can't just put one eye scene. He has to have multiples. And that's the thing I love about this film. Every time a kill happens, it just makes me cringe, man. I'm just like, oh, my God. It's nasty. To me, like that is kind of the lost art with uh, horror films Mm -hmm. is the the build up to the kill. Like you don't really Mm -hmm. see it done like that anymore where it's like it like slowly pushing her back and then it cuts to the nail and then it cuts to her and then it cuts to the nail. You know, it it builds this like dread where you're like, you're waiting on it. You're waiting on it. You're waiting on it. And then you're still waiting on it. When it starts to get uncomfortably, you're waiting so long. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I love that. Yeah. I really do. And I did, I kind of forgot how much I loved it. The, like the prime example is zombie with the, the splinter eye scene, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That's the one exactly. I known of. That's the one where I, I had known that that scene was brilliant because the time that they take with it. And it's just mm-hmm. awesome to kind of see that, like, oh, he did this a lot. Like, this is kind of his thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, every movie. <laughs> With fucking eyes, man. Loves him. Um, 
Yeah, man, the gore, oh, the fucking gore in this film, man. Actually, going back to the the scene in the autopsy room is is just what I'll call it. You know, in the hospital, mm-hmm. um, when the mum there, when she gets the uh, the sulfuric acid dumped on her face, which to me makes absolutely no sense, but it doesn't matter because the scene's fucking awesome. <laughs> but you know, as her head is like melting away and shit like that, I love the way Fulci filmed that scene because you know you have this like sulfuric acid blood mix that's kind of chasing you know the scene, oh, yeah. right? And you're backing up and it's just like you really can't touch that because that shit will burn the shit out of you. That's horrific, man. Yeah, no. Like not only is the death nasty, but just the the aftermath of it and the way he filmed it, it's coming towards you. And you're like, fuck, you can't touch that. Yeah, man. I, I've, you I know what? That scene. I, and I won't mention this, that after I finished uh, the House by the Cemetery, I know I was getting ready to go to sleep, but get, I actually put the Beyond in right after. And because I was like, I kind of feel like I need to see this again. I knew I wouldn't be able to stay up and watch it all the way again. But like that yeah. – I. I really did really like this one, uh, but I, I, I got to say, like, I, I felt like I was missing things and like, I felt like I kept uh, having to, you know, think about it afterwards. I was like, wait a minute, how, what it like in my head, this, the, the events, the timeline of events are really all over the place. I can't remember what happened before, after one another, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it could be a, a combination of watching it later just you know being so new to it too i mean again this is another film that you know once you watch a few times it's like you know it, it's very smooth <laughs> you know there's still things that are just not explained in this film at all um okay well what did you think about the uh um oh what's your character i'm so bad with names jesus uh the blind girl with the dog um yeah did you understand the character like why she was there not really like wh- Okay, so it's not really explained in the film exactly, you know, in a, in a sense it kind of is. But the way I see it is, you know, she is – she's from the other side, right? She's there and she's basically there to – because she mentions one part – one time in the film that she doesn't want to go back. Okay. Right? So she's obviously, you know – you know, like not a figment of, of what's her face's um, imagination, but she can see her, uh, but she's there to basically kind of lure in, you know, um, maybe, you know, keep, okay. I don't want to like actually give anything away. I'm trying to do the yeah. spoiler free. Um, she's basically kind of there to keep uh, lies like Lisa, Liza's character, you know, Catherine McCall's character um, from doing what they did in the end you know, from that not happening, okay. you know, because that's how I, yeah, I kind of felt like it was something along, Be- along those lines, because that's how, yeah, because what they do at the end is that that's how they resolve the problem. They save, you know, humanity from a big, you know, type of thing, but whatever they do. And I think she's there to kind of divert her, mm-hmm. you know, and keep her away and, you know, just kind of let the dead come out of the gates of hell and to take over the world. And, and th- she's just kind of like, you know, she's that yeah, person. Yeah, but th- that and, that's kind of what it, I was feeling like. But the only problem that I felt like was the way that like what happens to that blind girl, that big scene with the dog and stuff. Like it felt like yeah, she was a regular it, person then. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, again, that's just you know, it is. <laughs> you gotta disconnect yourself. But I think you know, it's what happens to her. She says right before that that she doesn't want to go back, and then of course the dog does what he does, and that scene is fucking vicious. Yeah, man. I like that scene. Oh, it's just I, I mean, vicious, man. I, I got to be honest, Ugh. like the the thing with dogs is like you can tell when they're really biting and when they're trained biting. And I did feel like yeah. the, a lot of that trained footage like like was pretty obvious. So I, I yeah. honestly am not a big fan of 
of like dog attacks for that reason because they always look kind of oh, fake that, to me. But that gore effects. Oh on yeah, that's, though, like, that's one that, thing that definitely oh, helps. Let's... That definitely helps. Yeah. With <laughs> But I thought I'd just clear that up because I think that's one thing that a lot of people do get confused. And I mean, it is my take on it, but I think that's what he was kind of getting at with that, yeah. too, because it does make sense. If you link that idea to the end of the film, you know, does Fauci right, write his own to... stuff? Yeah, he did. Okay. He wrote this. So um, I don't think he solely wrote this. No, there's like uh, four credits here. I believe. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So there is four people. Yeah. Fauci's on one of them. But yeah. Um but uh, I don't know, man. I just I'm, like I said before, you know, these are type of films that do benefit from watching a couple times and you kind of put things together. And I think it might actually even help, you know, watching this one by itself and not in the middle of. Yeah, because they the run together. They, they're they very similar <laughs> yeah. in tone and, you know, scenes and mm-hmm. stuff like that, that they do run a little bit together. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I honestly, you know, you did bring it up, but I one of my favorite parts of this one. Um, that I think is better than the other two is the end. Well, I mean, let's face it. The the very last shot in this film is just fucking amazing. Yeah, it really is. It's so it's so amazingly executed. And the thing I love about that scene is that the 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 second that they realize that there's no turning back when they turn around is pure horror. Yeah. No. And. Because they realize at that moment where they are and but at the same time, it's so fucking beautiful because not only is the setting of what they just walked into so elegant and brilliantly executed, but it's 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 like horrific and beautiful at the same time because they not only just did something that they needed to do, but now they're they're not coming back, man. I, I, I love you know, that you it, say it's, that it's, it's a really elegant scene. because I think that that's the one if I'm going to take one thing away from these three films is that uh this is like kind of what i look for when i when i watch older films is is i just i just love horror like by Mm. itself not horror comedy not sci-fi horror not action horror yeah i like those things uh, every once in a while and i like films from all those genres but this is what i love i love horror Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but isn't that you know like when they turn around i love it dude i i mean and, and and the and the door isn't you the know elegant, it's just not like it's you mentioned the word elegant so awesome. like it, it, to me it's just it it's beauty in so many ways yeah and man. I love that I, I that's one of the it, it stays with me you know like that that I get this feeling I get this like almost cold chill and it's one mm. of those scenes that that I'll always kind of remember and th- it's my favorite type of endings like those kind of endings are my favorite type yeah. too. Mm-hmm. yeah tra- tragic and beauty at the same time man um i always thought that i always thought that scene was really interesting too because i remember i don't know if i was reading it or if i was watching a special feature but all the people that were in that scene were actually homeless people that they had brought in they for that scene that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like such a weird yeah. thing right but uh yeah this one overall man you know i can see where people come from if you watch this one a couple more times you know what maybe we can have a conversation oh, yeah, down the road sure. about it um, but but, uh, you know, it's just it's one of those things that, yeah, you know, you just kind of have to really kind of set your mind into it and just kind of take it for what it is and just try to figure out things, you know, like, you know, again, just like City of the Living Dead, the the story is, you know, not, you know, it's it's muffled a little bit. You know, there's things that you kind of have mm-hmm. to <clears throat> almost make up yourself a little bit. But at the same time, I think the theories are there. You just have to really kind of read into what he's presenting yeah. to you. 
also too. And I really do like this this whole gates of this hell thing, man. I, I really enjoy that, man. I, I wish they had have you know explored it more, you know, into the the so called third part in the Gates of Hell trilogy in Hell's by the Cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with Gates of Hell. Um, but they just put that in there because it was made at the mm-hmm. same time. But um, but yeah, you know, I, I really I, I think it's like, you know, it's it's a really interesting kind of end. You know, if you put these two films back to back and it's like, OK, they did this and now this is like it feels like it ends. I feel like there should be know? like seven of these movies. I know the seven gates of hell. I know the seven doors of hell. Yeah. So, Yeah. That'd be cool if there was seven. That'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> you want to uh, get into ratings on this one? Yeah, you sure. Go man. first. Yeah, again, you know, I've I've stated many, many times that the Beyond is literally like in my top five favorite films of all time, and you could probably have a little greater appreciation for me saying that yes. now. You know, I mean, I think you understand where I'm coming from with a film like this. I pretty much what I could say about this one is what I'd said about you know, uh, City of the Living Dead. The Beyond to me is just one of those films where I just. I not when I watch this film, I get so tantalized by it, and you know, the music and any film that can give me goosebumps after like thirty watches <laughs> is truly, truly amazing. Like I get so excited every time I pop I did it, get and I just want to. You know, it's oh, Fabio Frizzi, man. What an amazing composer, man. His fucking scores are just so brilliant. I, I'm telling you, man, listen to the Beyond soundtrack like straight through. Just kind of lay there and li- oh, it's fucking great. Um. But, uh, yeah, you know, you know, again, you know, again, with the uh, the aesthetics of the film, just amazing stuff. But, you know, I don't think there's such thing as a, as a perfect Fulci <laughs> film. <laughs> so, you know, so but again, this one is right up there with City of the Living Dead for me. And again, nine and a half out of ten. Uh, yeah, this one I actually like better than City of the Living Dead. Uh, I, I think that this one has so many great memorable scenes, uh, a lot of eye horror if I had seen this film when I was a kid, it might have scared me more than any other film. Like, I really get that vibe where I'm like, this shit is scary. Show this to, like, a five-year-old, please. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love the ending. That was the big, the big like, determining factor in my rating right there once the ending came. And I was like, all right, yeah, I, I really, really, really like this one. I give it a 9 out of 10. Nice. Cool. All right. So moving on to the, like I said, the so-called third part of the uh, the Gates of Hell trilogy, also from 1981, is The House by the Cemetery. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't know if I really want to read this. Okay. Well, here's the uh, the premise of it. In New York, Doctor Norman Boyle assumes the research about Doctor Freudstein. Freudstein. Stein Freudstein of his colleague Dr. Peterson who committed suicide after killing his mistress Norman heads to Boston with his wife Lucy and their son Bob to live in an isolated house in the woods that belonged to Dr. Peterson Uh, Bob befriends a girl May Uh, you know what I'll just leave it at that right there I'm not going to read the rest of that Um, it's just kind of getting into like the whole film so you know that's essentially what it is right there um Thoughts on this one? <laughs> um, first of all, uh, I want to say I, I, that I wish they would never put that dude on the cover of the releases. I know. I've said this <laughs> for years. It's a huge fucking spoiler, man. That's why the original cover art that I'm looking at in front of me because I have the blue Hell, like house. I, yes, because I have the Gates of Hell trilogy posters right in front of me, plus the DVD or the Blu-ray. Just use the house 
on top of the hill. Yeah, I have that on VHS, and I actually love that cover art. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, the other cover art's a huge, huge spoiler. Yeah. You know, and 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 a lot of people said that. Yeah, I actually (laughs) am not a big fan of that cover art either. Uh, But yeah, unfortunately, yeah, that is a, you know, it is a spoiler. Uh, So yeah, that's essentially what happens here. We've got, um, you know, your main characters, they move to Boston again here. Um, to assume his colleagues' uh, research that he was doing and um, move into this house that was once owned by Dr. Freudstein uh, way back in the day. I don't think they – do they give a timeline in that? Like it was it was abandoned for like a long – I don't think they actually give years or anything like that. But, you know, he was a turn-of-the-century surgeon, so turn-of-the-century, so probably 1900 around there. Um, he was a doctor that basically – you know, he did like illegal surgeries and he was doing like a lot of experiments on type people and things like that. And so his colleague was, you know, kind of doing some research and things like that and found out some things. And yeah. Um, so one so, thing that I will say is I actually like this score the most out of all, all three of them, which I know, I know you probably like the really? beyond a lot, but there's just something about this score that I really like, or, or at least the, you know, the opening score. Uh, I think you use yeah, that on your videos I- a lot, right? In my 81 series, I used it for probably more than half of the, the year. Yeah, I, I just um, love that. Was, that theme. The theme music to this was was that, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I think that the opening scene to this film is is really cool. Like, I, I like, it feels like a slasher. Mm-hmm. You like mm-hmm. that? You like it? Uh, I do. I do. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that, too. And that's something you see in a lot of Italian films in general is that, you know, that, sh- that type yeah. of kill you know, coming through the mouth. And so you see that a lot. And it's just vicious, yeah, brutal. Man. It's fucking vicious. Uh, I like yeah. the, you know, the setup, the house by the cemetery. It like, it looks creepy once again, like mm-hmm. a horror film. Uh, then you're introduced to two randoms who get murdered. And I'm like, all right, I'm down. I like, I like where this is headed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, technically to the storyline, they're not really quite randoms. We know who they're supposed to be. Yeah. You know, but you know how it is, but, um, so yeah, get your main characters. Uh, you know, of course, again, Catherine McCall playing the lead character as Lucy, uh, married to Norman, um, who is, uh, I always, fuck, I hate this guy's name. Um, Paolo Malco. <laughs> Fucking Derek's probably just laughing right now. Guys in like a million Italian films, uh, New York Ripper, of course. Um, yeah, just a great genre actor. Um, but, uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this one? Do you, do you have any, um, like, okay. So Dave even said in his email that, you know, he was, you know, the first half of the film or in his voicemail, the first half of the film. And then he says in the second half, you kind of, he loses touch with the film. He starts getting confused. Did you feel no, like that not at all really in this one? Um, I thought that it actually kind of I thought- made like sense by the end. I was like, okay, I, I kind of see what the story is now and I, I see what's going on. Um, I actually, I've always thought that too. I always felt this this one was like the easiest one to yeah, follow. It's very, it's not very <laughs> complex at all. Like there's not like a lot no. of like there's, it's almost like this one. You don't have to piece it together for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some weird things that are happening yeah, in this film, sure. but, but you know, I mean, again, it's the, it's the same logic that we can apply to the two other films. You know, you just apply into this one and then you're, you're okay with it. Um, Again, you know, this one doesn't falter in any of the, you know, the main objectives with a faulty film of creating awesome atmosphere and, uh, you know, kills 
you know, really gory and blood splurting ones. <laughs> I love, I love the fucking the couple kills in this film, man. You know, with the blood just coming out the throat yeah. and shit like that, like spurting out. Like those are great effects. They look pretty damn real. Oh, yeah. Like I have to say, I was like, holy shit, man! Like every time I watch it, I'm like, damn, man, the gore is just, you know, again, relentless in this film. It's just, you know, it's nasty and really crazy scissors. stuff. So I would, uh. you know. Oh yeah, the scissors at the yeah the, yeah. the scissor stab. Oh dude, it makes me <laughs> gag every time. It literally, I'm that's what I wanted to mention before about gaggable uh, gore effects. But yeah, Fulci really knows how to kind of hit a nerve with people, especially me, because that that scene right there is just gaggable. I man. find I find nasty. that there's like an incredible beauty in uh, the like amount of blood in the scene where they start dragging the uh, the girl across the floor and. Oh, in the opening scene? Uh, no, I don't think it's in the opening scene. Okay, not that yeah. one. Okay, I, I know what you're saying. The other one, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I love the way that the blood streaks like that. Dude, That there's so much blood in that scene, man. Like, her hair is fucking matted. <laughs> and, like, it. it's crazy. And, like, it, like, the streak is not even getting thinner. Mm. You know, it's just, like, a bloodlet. Yeah, man, dude, that's vicious. So yeah, vicious. I, see, I like like because in City of Living Dead we didn't really mention it, but there's a lot of there's I think at least one or two scenes where they uh, grab like cr- they they like grab your brain like I don't like it it doesn't really make sense like physically like they grab the back of your head and like I guess well, crush your skull it, and then pull your brain out. It's yeah, it's basically just you know your hands are so strong that you're just kind of breaking that part of the skull and like yeah. pulling it out. Yeah, and the brains get exposed. Yeah, those are just nasty shit, man. Uh, the, I gotta say, man, I could not stand that kid. Well, okay, now that that you know the comes dubbing. back to the the dubbing and stuff. For some weird reason in this film, and much like a lot of Italian films, they have this weird thing with dubbing kids' voices with like obviously older kids to you know adolescent <laughs> people. You know, and so the voices completely don't fit. They don't work. I don't even like the way the kids. Yeah, works. the character of Bob. Yeah, the character of Bob, he, you know, he's ultra annoying. And, and that's something that, you know, it's it's like kind of laughing. It, it's just a joke within, you know, you know, especially Italian shot. Everyone knows Bob, the annoying <laughs> kid. Um, but I've even seen like interviews and stuff and he talks about it. And is like he even laughs about it now. It's like so funny that it's like a fucking huge joke. But I don't know what the deal was with having to dub kids voices with older ones and just not working at all. You know, I don't know why they didn't just use his regular. I, I read somewhere that they didn't like the sound of his voice. And I'm like, this yeah, was right? better. <laughs> so, but I mean, it's so laughable. Even like the little girl's dubbing is so bad. Like there's times in the film where, you know, she's saying one thing and what you're hearing is a, a totally opposite thing. You know, they just did the kids dubbing so poorly. <laughs> it's like fucking laughable, but I don't know, but yeah, Bob's character, he's, you know, he just, he comes across as like a total spoiled type little brat. Is fucking, this the one I don't with know. the bat? You know. Okay. Yes, this uh, is the one that, with the bat. That scene, <laughs> the, the fucking bats, dude. There's so much, there's so much blood <laughs> I know. in that scene. I, I, I find it funny that like, cause me personally, like I would, I would panic. Cause I'd be like, I can't just stab this thing. Cause if I go through, I'm going to stab myself. Uh, like, am I going to have rabies? <laughs> like, I don't know what's going like it, that. It, it just kind of freaked me out. I was like, that would <laughs> suck, man. Dude, Every time I see that scene, it makes me laugh because the scene goes on for quite a long time before he stabs the shit out of the bat and there's fucking blood everywhere. And he's got these puncture holes in the top of his hand. And then the next scene is him with his hand bandaged up talking to his wife and stuff i'm like did they yeah. go to the hospital because <laughs> you know, 
he's just like all good, you know. Fuck, it makes me laugh. But yeah, that scene is hilarious, man. Bats always make me laugh because they're hard to they're make really look real. Hard to make look real. I don't even think I've ever seen a real one, like a real looking. But I love that bat though because it's yeah. all fat and juicy and it's just ready for the knifing, right? And when like, as soon as he stabs it, it's just like, holy fuck, look at that thing. It's still going. <laughs> How about having a like tomb in your kitchen or your you know what dining room or whatever it was? Like, I know, the- right? Like how they played yeah. off, like so normal too. I love that part of the story. It's just like, well, you know, here in Boston, you know, the ground freezes, so when Grandpa dies, they just yeah. bury him in the house. I'm sure that okay. has some <laughs> some level of truth in some form of society. Oh, it it probably, does. but you have to remember the house was also, you know, like turn yeah. of the century type thing, it, right? It's, so a different time. I just found it too, funny so. how she she there's like a rug or something over it, like all that really all that dirt and all that dust on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. she like draws the cross <laughs> uh which actually looks pretty cool honestly she like follows the, the, the mm-hmm. bridges of the cross but um I, I don't know man this one i actually i thought i had always heard bad things about it and i, I really didn't like i liked it actually mm-hmm. do you like it yeah man yeah i I'm a, I'm a really big fan of this film man to be honest like another thing you know with this film that I love is just the calculation of Fulci's, you know, um, just shots and stuff. You know, he again just manages to capture that the shit that he's trying to do with so little story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's really not a lot there. I mean, it's they move into this house and there he's just kind of continuing this guy's research. And then one thing leads to another and then bam, you got your ending, <laughs> you know? So, you know, but he's just his calculation of, you know, managing to, you know, keep his style through all three of these films you mentioned you know in uh city living dead that there's a similar scene in this film um you know i don't really want to give it away but you know with the door scene there's a scene in this in this film with the door and him Mm -hmm. stabbing through the door uh kind of similar to you know christopher george's um casket scene you know and it's funny how he incorporates that but this one's fucking nasty man like you know it, there's points in that scene where you're just like i want him to go right in the middle <laughs> you dick you know it's like could you imagine it how shocking been. that yeah, would have been yeah. man um <laughs> but honestly so what do you like I, what are your thoughts on that whole basement scene um yeah, i like it man i, I like it you know the first time i watched this movie the first time I watched this movie, I went, are you fucking serious? <laughs> I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And then, you know, it kind of makes sense with like when you actually think about the story and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's cool. But it, it makes sense, right? Because, you know, the house was down there. It was hard to get to. You know, it felt like it was away from their yeah. type of living. You know, so he was able to kind of come up and do his thing or, you know, yeah, uh, I don't really want to. It, it's really hard. to, But you know what I'm saying? It just it felt okay. It felt like, oh yeah, I guess this is what could happen. Yeah, that you know, scene so. was pretty scary too. Like, I, I could find that whole scene to be really scary. You know, it's it's again that slow, uh, you know, something in the basement coming after me, trying to get out. Like, yeah, it, it pretty pretty good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, getting back to you know the scene with uh, with Bob on the door and you know the the axe through the door mm-hmm. and shit like that, or the knife or whatever. No, I think it was the axe. Um, you know, it would have been, it really would have been so satisfying if he accidentally did do that because there's a scene in the beyond that we never brought up because it just, it really, really makes me laugh. And I remember actually, um, reading something that when the beyond first came out, I think it was cut from the American release 
uh, is a scene where <laughs> it's towards, or I guess towards the end of the film where he shoots the girl yeah. in the face and like her whole fucking face is like head yeah. explodes and shit like that. I'm like, wouldn't it just been funny if he, you know, did that in this one too. Oh, man. <laughs> but man, that scene right there, like from the beyond is fucking so funny, man. Like just the way it happens. Like, Oh dude, did you not at least chuckle at that? Cause like the gore effects are so brutal. <laughs> fucking head just explodes it's nasty but uh yeah i don't know <laughs> i just always wanted i just kind of always thought of you know that scene when i'm watching yeah that scene i, I going, did i did think of that actually i was like i was like would they really do it and then i, f- I figured they wouldn't yeah. i would have been really impressed if they did but i really wasn't expecting i it. just like how the thing in the beyond like it just how to left field it is he's just kind of like doing his thing and also he's like bam he's like shooting things and also he just takes out the girl <laughs> so fucking good man uh, i love that shit man but uh i don't know man i i've always i don't i will say like i'm i don't like this one as I much agree. as the other two films you know the this it's one really a good doesn't horror uh, movie. It's like one that you would rent and be like as a kid and be like, ah, oh, dude, you know, the, like you might go back to it a few times. It was kind of scary mm. and freaky. You're not quite sure what's going on. Like it, it just, mm. ha- it's, it's like a product of its time. You know, and again, you know, yeah, exactly. And there's things in this film, of course, that really don't make sense. Again, just like the other films, you know, the one specific thing about this film that really kind of sticks out to me is the fact that Bob, can maybe it's this whole child sixth sense thing i don't know what the hell it is but you know how bob can see reminded the little girl, me of which I believe it's, the amityville horror like he yeah like he can yeah you know he can talk to her and he kind of and she keeps telling him you know don't go in the house or don't do that and she's giving them warnings because you know she knows she knows well quite obviously why yeah. she knows and but it but it's unexplained why he can you know see her and talk to her and stuff and you know but Maybe you just kind of disconnect yourself and go, well, maybe it's that I, child's sixth sense. I, I don't know. Uh, children are more susceptible yeah, so, to mysterious things. And and I've heard people say, you know, it's a big reason why they, you know, not like the only reason why they don't like the film, but it's just like, what the fuck? Like, why can Bob talk to this little girl? Like, what the hell's up with that? It just makes no fucking sense. But again, you have to apply that yeah. logic, right? To me, it's kind so, of unimportant. You know. I don't think it really affects the story. No, it, no, it really doesn't. But, you know, it just it kind of ties in right to the end scene, though. Right? Yeah, yeah. And you're just you like, know, okay. Yeah, you're right. I, I I honestly didn't really care for the ending in this one. No. No? Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, well, I wish I could just say it. I wish I could just say the whole fucking ending right now. Um, yeah, the way shit goes down in the ending is, um, were, you, were you a little surprised? No. At all? Not really surprised. I can't say I saw like the the ending coming. Like I didn't see the see that that's what it was. I, I just didn't. I was like, all right, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't mind it. I just. Well, I, you got to realize know, I, maybe... I came right off of an amazing ending. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that makes sense too. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know, man. Not Again, you know. The house, well, yeah, without going into spoilers, man, the house in this film is just fucking yeah, awesome. No, that's one you know? thing that I, I do give mad props for is location, location, location. I talked about that again last week. Yeah, it, it's something, but, you know, it goes back to the fact, you know, Fulci does, you know, some people might look at his films and be like, oh, it's just muffled bullshit, but it, it really isn't, man. They're all, it's calculated. You know, he didn't just find this house by random. Like, they put in work, you know, to find these locations and, and create these genuine 
genuinely made horror films. You know, like he wants to make something that's genuine. And it starts with, you know, having good settings and shit like that and places where you can shoot, you know. Um, and I give him all the props in the world for doing this, these type of things, man. He made some really, really good horror films, you know, and that's what it comes down to. So, Show. you know, this film again, this film again to me just feels very dreamlike at times. Um, you know, there, it's just I don't know what it is, man. He just manages to do that so perfectly. And I absolutely love it. It's just it's fucking awesome, man. The basement, like you know, you said like the basement and the beyond was is crazy, but the basement in this one's awesome too, though. So, which I think yep. that you might have said that. <laughs> <laughs> fucking repeating myself, man. <laughs> Shit. So, uh, <laughs> ratings. Uh, yeah, I guess I mean, I'll go first this time. Back to me. Sure. Um, this one, like Mood said, I agree. I, I don't really like this one as much as the other two, but this is a pretty solid horror film. I mean, if you're looking for a horror film to watch, this is this isn't a bad choice. I mean, you're, you're not going to be like, oh, that sucked. Uh, if anything, you might be like, uh, you know, the story was a little wonky, but it had some good horror moments. And uh, I feel like it's about a 7 out of 10. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's probably more a fair assessment. I think the first time I watched this film, I was probably in the same boat as that too. I was like seven, seven. Nine. I would actually like to go back and see what I rated the Beyond and House by the Cemetery in my eighty-one series. Did you rate? Because I don't time? remember. Yeah, because yeah, I know both me and you started um, YouTube not rating movies. Probably, yeah. I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long, to, but no, I'm pretty sure that there's ratings in there and. uh yeah, it'd be interesting to go back and find out. But I mean, those weren't the first times I've seen these films. But uh, I'm just curious mm-hmm. to see because that was a couple of years ago now. But, um, but yeah, you know, it was definitely a lot lower for me. And uh, you know, same with the City of the Living Dead. The first time I watched it, like I said, it was definitely a lower rating. I just come to appreciate the film so much more. Um, but I really, I really dig House by the Cemetery. It does have a little bit of you know, obvious, not like my like minor minor issues and stuff. It's just not as exciting to yeah. me as the other two. You know, you know, you know, all the aesthetics and the things that I'm looking for are still there in this film. Like, like I can never get over the blood spurting out of the, out of the, um, I guess the realtor's neck or whatever. Yeah. That man, that fucking scene, man. And this is just so nasty. Like it looks so damn good. Like, you know, like it's on the real body and like, I don't know the way they did the effects are just awesome. But, you know, I still really, really enjoy this one. Again, Fabio Frizzi gives me the. Gives mm-hmm. me the chills when I listen to these scores, sure. man. You know, it's just an amazing score. Uh, you know, um, yeah. And of course, I'm gonna come in a lot higher. But you know, I like this one just not as much as the other ones. And I'm gonna still get it, give it a nine out of ten. All right, so, so horror, man. It's real fucking horror films. Cool, cool. Uh, some of those maybe had a chance to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, if Jeremy was on there, you know, but... Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy probably I can see House by Cemetery six for him. The Beyond would probably be eight, and Gates would probably be. Why seven no tens? You scared? Um, yeah, I have this whole thing with tens. I don't know. No, uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Like the, the like I, like I said, these are the type of films I look. I just everything about them I love. You know so. Um. I don't know, man. It's unexplained. Just like some of the things in the Fulci films, that's what I'm sticking through. Sticking to <laughs> total cop out answer, but I don't know. I don't. Yeah, really know. I can't. I don't know how many tens. I mean, I'll, I've I'll given just be so far, uh, but there's not many. That's for sure. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, like on this, like on the podcast. On the podcast, that, I mean, I, I've given. I'm, I'm talking about in general. I keep a list of all my ratings since 2013. Yeah. Yeah, tens are. Yeah, I, I hear. I, I we're on a shoot. Again, you gave a couple tens this year already. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, on on films I did not <laughs> review. Both of them. That's fine. I didn't review. Well, one of them doesn't really count as this year's film, though. According but, to my list, uh, I have four tens: The Battery, Halloween, Night of the Living Dead, and Rosemary's Baby. Oh yeah, all yeah. of which I believe were on the show. I didn't give the battery ten. Yeah, I didn't give bad, bad battery the, the battery ten. Ugh. So yeah, that is gonna do it for this episode, um, episode sixty-two, the Lucio Fulci director's spotlight gates of hell trilogy hope you guys all enjoyed the show and what do we got coming up next week we have we got um nikolai sove i don't know how to say his name michelle sovier sove sovi michelle sova i don't know that guy you know the guy that directed cemetery man and you know other films stage uh, fright what stage else are we doing stage church. fright the church the church that's right so that's very cool um, and I don't know, Brandon, we'll keep in mind if we're going to, what we're going to do with that show. Um, I guess we'll have to talk to the third party in the show, which is Jeremy, cause I'm assuming he's back for next week. I don't know. So, but, uh, until then that is going to do it for the show. Um, I had a lot of fun with it, man. You know, just, you know, this, this actually wouldn't have been a too bad of a show to do yeah, spoiler it, yeah. for them. We could just, just giving it all out there, you know? Yeah. Can, I think that you know, I would so. have actually liked but, Jeremy to be on this one, to be honest. Cause I, I really am genuinely curious what he thought of these three. Yeah, actually would have been nice. I mean, um, I'm really, I'm really stoked that you liked him as much as you did too. It's pretty awesome stuff. So you feel like you're getting a little more versed in the yeah, Italian I think these three film. were a lot different than the first three we did, which were the Argento three, but, oh. um, these are like legit horror films. And I, it's kind of right up my alley in terms of what I look for. Like I look for like horror films. Like that's what I like. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. That's what I'm drawn to. Like, you know, like I always said, you know, music, you know, I, I think if these movies had really shit soundtracks, man, it'd be like, oh, they'd yeah. definitely be lower. I, I doubt they me. would be even, I'm, I'm not sure if they would even be considered as classic as they are. I know, man. It's it's amazing what those type of those certain elements to to movies really yeah. do, right? It's true and test right here, man. It's, it's just amazing. Um, but yeah. Anyways, guys, we're just rambling on, so we'll see you guys next week in episode sixty three for Michelle Sovier. And I'm really, really looking forward to revisiting the films. And you want to take yeah, us guys, out of here? Thanks for listening to episode sixty two. We are the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror, which the best way to get in contact with us is the group page. Type 22 Shots of Moods and Horror on Facebook and join the group. We are almost at 600 members, which is crazy. A lot of great people in there. A lot of great conversations. Tons of debates and topics. Awesome stuff. I can't plug that enough. That is the number one place. If you don't have a Facebook, get a Facebook (laughs) because you want to be in that group. Second, you could also check out the website where we have all of our archived shows because the other ones are not on iTunes, but you can still hear our show anytime on there. Twitter, 22shots podcast, email 22shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. I am JP, double shot J on YouTube. That is moods, moods 616 on YouTube. You can also see all the shows there as well in a streaming format. We are out later. Peace.
that is a wrap on episode 62. God, it's so fucking strange, man.